Okay, so we're live. Peace. I want to say peace to everybody who's tuned in, who's who was quick on the draw, and have tuned in. Um, tune into our open discussion Sunday. Now this wasn't uh, pre-scheduled or pre-planned or or you know we didn't send notifications out there. So that's what I mean by quick draw. So definitely appreciate those who are waiting and are already tuned in. So shout out to everyone. Uh, this is your brother Wajau Maneb Ma'at. And uh, today we're going to have our open discussion session, uh, hopefully with the participation from those of you who are watching. Uh, hopefully you'll chime in. We're going to pass the link out shortly. But for now, we're going to just dive right into it. And But before we do that, have some uh, panelists with me. I'm not solo, not doing, doing it by myself this time. So um, I want you all introduce yourselves and we could just dive right on in, into the conversation. Okay, it may sound like I'm by myself because nobody said anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I was just talking. <laughs> I was on mute. I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm not by myself tonight, so I want everybody to introduce themselves. <laughs> and then it's crickets. <laughs> silent, silent, silent. But okay, yeah. Y'all go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, so this is Naya Mara. Um, just coming to you today just to have an open discussion so we can kind of clear up. A lot of things that's going on in the community, that's going on in the group, that's going on in the world um, with the purpose of kind of redefining what it is to be African, attempting to center ourselves in science and methodology so we can kind of come out of the cloud and out of the darkness and begin to um, execute plans that can be um, proven and that are based in our culture so that's kind of what my purpose of being here for today is all right all right who else do we have i'm brother yeah brother nahissa here i'm just gonna be sitting back chiming in from time to time that's basically it all right all right so there you have it and uh other amara squad members uh may chime jump in and chime in uh we want to get started uh sunday before it gets too too late and again, I want to appreciate those who are tuned in uh, and quick on the draw. Uh, but we kind of want to walk, uh, dive in a little slow, give other people a chance to, to tune in. Uh, because sometimes our conversations may, um, uh, what do you call it, be out of sight and out of mind. And then we end up having to repeat ourselves several, several times. So one of the things, like lately we've been talking a lot about uh, genetics or DNA. And we've been kind of doing it. Uh, sporadically for for the past two weeks maybe three weeks and so uh, sometimes we have to repeat ourselves because people will make comments about things that we've already discussed and it's kind of unfortunate that some of our discussions were recorded in um, other videos that are no longer available so you know so some things we have said before and um, in the past and so we have to repeat it and everything. So, you know, we don't mind. It's what we do, as Sister Naya said, that we want to push scientific literacy and uh, push the application of knowledge so that we can actually uh, plan and, and, and have solutions for, for some of our problems and situations that we have collectively. All right. So this is what we do. 
and we don't mind doing it. But just but now we want to have you you all's participation. So we've been having these open discussions uh, for about a week now, and uh, so far so good. But we would like to have more participation. So nothing to be afraid of. It's not like a debate. Uh, we're not your enemy. We're not the devil or your adversary or whatever the case is. We just want to have a, a very good um, progressive conversation. We share information. Um, we take questions. And if anybody else shares information, we hope that you open yourself up to be questioned. And um, and we just demonstrate um support for whatever claims that are made and things like that so anyway so we can uh kind of slow walk ourselves into the conversation uh at the same time allowing people to uh tune in and if you're watching now please share the link because like i said this wasn't scheduled um so notifications weren't sent out ahead of time or anything so if you're watching just share the link share the youtube link um on facebook or wherever the case is so those who are interested can come on and tune in but uh, so I will uh, kind of yield the floor to Sister Naya and uh, whatever it is you want to talk about first, you can uh, kick it off. Um, OK, well, just to, to give a little context to the conversation, um, as Wujawu said, that we've been having these open discussions on various topics, um, we've talked about. Um, genetics, we talked about um, African and what it is to be African versus being fundamentally African. Um, we've talked about various things and in the process of talking about various things, Ujawa, could you share my other picture? Because that one is low. That one is small. Okay, no problem. In, in the context of, of talking about various things, you know, we've had some engagement in the group and we've had people who provided, you know, a lot of good information. And then we've had people who have provided some misleading information out of context. So we just want to take that opportunity, the opportunity first to allow those people who wanted to jump on and discuss genetics, um, being purely African and some other things um, want to allow them to have the opportunity to discuss. One of those persons in the group who we wanted to give an opportunity to talk uh, was an individual named Andrew, gosh, what is his last name? Andrew Galabazi. So Andrew Galabazi, he's active in our group. He generally talks about spirituality and um, mathematics and um it seems like he's against materialism and anything science or evolution so he often jumps in and so in this particular conversation on facebook regarding genetics um he jumped in and he um posted um about the idea of a pure human and so we're gonna first kind of address that post and a few other posts and then go from there. Okay, so um, <clears throat> just quickly, I am going to look for his post and uh, hopefully I'll be able to share it and people can see it as it's being discussed. And also in the fairness of the brother, 
uh, he was asked when would he be free. Now, we normally come on roughly, you know, in the late evening, you know, uh, but the brother is, in, is overseas and there's a big time difference. So he may or may not uh, chime in. And I'm saying this because we don't want to be accused of running or dodging <laughs> and things like that. So um, which we have been accused of in the past, um, which is really silly because uh, we look forward to these kinds of conversations. But um, so, yeah, I guess you can continue. I'm, I'm going to look for the post and then I'll, I'll share okay. it as you as you um, go over it. So let me give me a chance. Okay, to find so it. I did go ahead and um, and tagged him in the. Um, open discussion so he can um, get an opportunity to kind of come in. But so I could have shared my screen too, but I don't know if my screen is going to work. Okay. Well, I'm almost there. So, I'm, I'm, I'm just scrolling through and okay. I'll, I'll find it. So, um, but which out of the, excuse me, out of the two, um, he has one with, uh, we call it a, a Rian, Rihanna thaw, but then he has another one with a, <laughs> With the mail. So which one are you doing first? Let, let's do the first one because we, we can address both of them. Um, the one with the... Um, his, with the Neanderthal, I think he would be the poppy that he kind of basically um, photoshopped to make him look more Neanderthal than um, Homo sapiens sapiens. Okay, I think I got so, it. So it's this one here. So, this, so let's... that's the one that has to do with the purity of the Right. So, let me see. so if you can see my screen, uh, is this the one you're referring to? Yeah, I can see your screen. That's the one. Okay, so this was... Um, so basically, he based, just to go over quickly, I know you guys can read it, but I'm going to just kind of over and try to hit his points so we can kind of get an understanding of what he's saying. So he goes on, just to put it in context, though, the reason why he was talking about purity of homo sapiens sapiens is because um, we were having a discussion about Neanderthal and race and he kind of chimed in and this is kind of what he posted. So he said, now coming to the purity of homo sapiens, this topic is still is to date debatable because of the following reasons. So there are there have been doubts over the possibility of cohabitants of the Neanderthals and humans. After all, it is the interbreeding sex between the two species, if at all they are different, that would have made an impure form of humans. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I feel like that statement is, is, is problematic because it really doesn't do a good job of explaining um, the event and what happened between the Neanderthal. I don't think that anyone ever debated that humans were anything other than admits. <laughs> no one ever said that humans were impure because they made it with Neanderthal. Wujawa, what do you think about that um, that first point? Do you think that that is that has any validity whatsoever to it? Um, actually, no. It it really okay. doesn't. And the reason why is because number one, um, when we're discussing these kinds of things, um, 
we have to be very specific because you as 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 we're going to discuss later when it comes to um these percentages uh you're going to re- people are going to realize that you have to be you have to clearly define your terms and everything so um so first of all neanderthals are human homo sapiens are human so when people try to separate that outside of human then they error right there from the start because w- all of these classifications that have the word homo in it they're all human you know so that's that has to be specific you know um and then and then everything you said so i'm just basically adding on to to what you said as well as the fact that you can't say neanderthals and then homo sapiens uh try to separate them and say one is human and one's not human both are human so if you're saying impure human both Neanderthal and uh, Homo sapien, or the sapiens of the Homo and the Neanderthals of the Homo, both are human. So if they mixed all day every day, it would still be human. So right. just just based you know just basics like that. So that kind of like X's out the the um <laughs> the first one just off of just scientific nomenclature. It's just it's just off. Okay. Nahisi, do you have anything you want to add to that first point? But hold on, you see what I'm saying? Because oh, I mean, let me let me oh, just okay. let me just read let me read the first sentence about exactly what I'm talking about. It says okay. it says there ha- he says there have been doubts over the possibility of co-inhabitants of Neanderthals and humans. So that's what I was addressing. When you say Neanderthals and humans, you, you know, that's like <laughs> you know, that's like saying blacks and humans or whites and humans or, or whatever, you know, nanothals are humans, are humans. So you can't say nanothals and humans. And I, and I'm specifically digging on this point because this brother here, Andrew Galabuzzi, he is a person that, uh, appeals to, um, logic in, in a lot of other posts, you know, so, and he's a stickler with logic and he wants to invoke that when it's convenient. So, um, to use his own, um appealing um i'm just basically using his own appealing for himself so anyway neanderthals are are human and and in our group in the amara squad group when we use the term human we're assuming everyone knows what that means um and so when we use humans basically our species homo sapiens sapiens are the only a member of the subtribe Hamina tribe. So basically, as humans, we belong to the family of great apes. So, and what's characterized by humans is basically an erect posture, the bipedal locomotion, manual dexterity, and heavy tail, um, tool using. Um, so, when we're talking about humans, we're talking about all those um species within the the genus homo correct that's absolutely correct the genus the genus homo is like saying the genus human exactly so we're not leaving anyone out and so when we're having conversations we need to be all aware of that scientific fact so when we're having discussions we can be clear because a lot of times the conversations are being derailed by people using human to only mean our species, homo sapiens sapiens, when in fact 
it includes Neanderthal and some of the now extinct um, Homo sapiens or um, humans like Neanderthal, Homo erectus, and things to that matter. So, just want to clear that up. Yahisi, did you have anything you wanted to say about that first point? Oh no, I'm good. Okay. Okay, so that was the first point, and um, so for B, he said there have been doubts over the capability of gamete sperm and egg to get fertilized and yield a hybrid generation as we don't see a constant progression of that DNA across humans indicating and what is that inhibiting what is that how do you pronounce that word uh, in, in inhibiting okay inhibiting factor indicating the inhibiting factor okay so constant progression of DNA across humans indicating an inhibiting factor. Oh, geez. So, so there have been doubts over the capability. So basically he's questioning whether or not the um, Neanderthal and the human even have the ability to produce a hybrid generation as we don't see a constant progression of the DNA across humans, which is, again, this is a false statement for a few reasons. The first one is that Neanderthals and humans share in terms of our entire DNA, um, roughly, is it 99.7% DNA? Yes, 99.7, that's correct. Yeah, roughly 99.7 percent of our DNA. So when Andrew makes the statement that we do not see um, compat compatibility, then we have to question, you know, his sources and we would, you know, need greater explanation because, um, you know, I don't think that that's a true statement. In terms of the ability to get fertilized and yield a hybrid generation, um, that's a very broad statement, but I will um, talk about the fertilization process, given the fact that we share, you know, similar DNA. It is definitely possible to fertilize an egg, whether or not it's a successful um, uh, event or not, you know, that's, you know, another question, but scientists have found that humans or homo sapiens sapiens did have one successful event with neanderthals in europe um and at least three in asia so we'll get to that later but so that first sentence is completely false um and then he said as we don't see a constant progression of dna across humans which again is false because we know that we share 99.7 percent of our dna with um with Neanderthals. Do you want to add to that with Jawu? I know I was long-winded on that one. <laughs> oh, um, well, just, just at the first part of what you were saying, just wanted to kind of show uh, those who are watching um, what you were saying because uh, you mentioned a, a kind of one of those, uh, I call them word, wordophobia words, which is great ape. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so people get scared of that word great ape. What you mean? We, we come from apes. So um, just to kind of further go into that is what I'm showing on my screen is the taxonomic classification, uh, biological classifications. And so from top down, you have the ranks and it's, it's in a hierarchical form. 
and then from left to right um which you don't see any uh any left to right but what would be left to right was what is what's called files so if you look at the yellow the family uh all living human beings today let's start at the bottom all living human beings today are considered homo sapiens sapiens which is a subspecies so we're all the same subspecies and we're a subspecies of the species which is at the bottom of homo sapiens and then all homo sapiens are a species of the genus homo and this is what uh Sanaya mentioned earlier about the word human and what we we're talking about uh genus homo is, is are all the humans so whenever you see the word homo prefixed to another word like homo neanderthalus homo habilis homo erectus they're all types of humans they're all species of homo okay and that's how it's worded and above that in yellow you have family which is hominidae and so where you get the hominidae is is where it is aka or nicknamed great apes so if you don't like the word great apes for for social reasons then just use the scientific term of hominidae all right and that's and we are a member of that family so so human beings are hominidae aka gray apes so i just wanted to make sure people understand understand it. it's nothing to be afraid of or um a matter of fact let me share the screen um i think the brother nahisi is no that's that's my screen i think oh you're sharing it okay okay so let yeah. me let me share your screen um to add on to that so hopefully everybody got that you know th this this diagram is found all over the internet um Matter of fact, you can look it up on Wikipedia. Just look up taxonomic, biological tax taxonomy, and you'll you'll see this. But let me share this other other screen, which is a taxonomy family rank. We are family. So now I guess you you can uh, explain that. Right. So just to see, you know, in terms of the distance between us and you know our um, very very distant relatives at the top if you see the super family you'll see the hamadia which is basically the great ape and then you see um the breakdown when we get to the tribe which is the hominin and then you got the homo and then you can see the hominin there's a split between the pan and the homo so when i use the context of the great ape this is just like Ujabu was saying this is kind of what i'm talking about the super family is the great ape um, but our tribe and our genus, as you can see, is homo. So we're very much human. Um, but um, the reason why I said that is because, um, I forgot why I said that. <laughs> the reason I wanted to point that out is because, again, it's important when we're having these discussions that we are, how do I stop my share? Okay. We're having these discussions that we're using the same term and that we're all on the same page because I feel like a lot of the um, issues that we have is because we are not on the same page and um, we don't understand the terms. And I know Ujawa was a stickler about language and terms. And so yes. it's a very valuable, um, a very valuable skill set. And, you know, in terms of our community, we have to get on the same page with using language appropriately and, um, understanding what we're reading and that 
will improve a lot of our communication amongst each other. So yes, indeed. don't be afraid to be a great eight. <laughs> exactly. You can't you can't be afraid. And we're not talking about the creature we call apes right now, you know, so people can relax a little bit, you know, and I always say I, I always say this. I say 90 percent of all disputes arguments whether it's uh, domestic in the household between husband and wife or friends or even businesses business partners to countries 90 percent of disputes are based are rooted in miscommunication this is statistically discussed you know um that you know once you once you sort out the communication barriers and and get on the same page then man everything is really really smooth and easy and so that's why I'm always a stickler for it. So yes, Hamenidae is AKA great ape. So if you don't like that term for whatever the reason is, just use Hamenidae. Because you know what, what uh, uh, just last thing that we can move on is that I don't see people having a problem with saying um, that like nobody would have a problem saying I'm a mammal. And, it, and if you can see on the, on the screen, that's in the green, the class. So we're of the class of mammalia, which means this is why we say we're mammals. You know, a cow is a mammal. Humans are mammals. Nobody really has a nobody has a problem with that. But it doesn't mean that we come from cows or we come from, you know, any all these other mammals. It, this this is just a categorization or classification system. And so and there's reasons. So earlier, um, Naya, you had mentioned that. Um, you mentioned uh, like a description, uh, I think right here where it says hominidae, it says primates with relatively flat faces and 3D vision. So that that's like one of the uh, many characteristics that make a hominidae what it is. Um, and then the upright posture, like you said, uh, which is uh, included in the homo. So, you know, but anyway, no nobody can, nobody has a problem with us calling ourselves mammals and even primates. Some people think when they say primates though they think apes or monkeys and then so some people may have a problem with that but mammals i, I never i never see people have a problem with that uh even the word animal that you know people say yeah humans are animals yeah we're we're animals and that's the kingdom so we're of the kingdom of animals we're the phylum of chordata which means we have a backbone um we're the class of mammals we're the order of primates we're the family of hominidae and we're genus homo species homo sapiens and we are the subspecies itself homo sapiens sapiens so this is pretty straightforward um but yeah so we can move on from from this um because you i think you were you were you were um let me sh go back to the post i guess because we were walking down his um his post so there you go and then so um he said that there are conflicting research results and then he quoted um an article or life science 2010 published in science magazine um, where he said that um, a new study um published in science magazine determined that neanderthal dna is 99.7 percent identical to modern human dna um, and you notice modern human DNA, and then it said a chimp is 99.8% identical. So as you can see, like I said before, even his own um, source kind of conflicted with his first point. 
um, because we can see that there's a, a connection. We have close DNA. And when we're talking about DNA, we're not just talking about X and Y chromosome. We're talking about the entire genome. And then he went over and said, researchers of the Neanderthal Genome Project found that 2.5% of an average non-African human genome is made up of um, Neanderthal DNA. Um, Wujawu, do you want to explain that 2.5% just to make sure our audience isn't confused about the 99, how we're 99.7% identical, but then um, researchers found in the Neanderthal Genome Project that the average is 2.5% of the average non-human DNA is, is closer to Neanderthal. Do you want to explain that? Uh, yeah, well, the in brief, the two different numbers, because it sounds contradictory, and it really does, because if I say that hum, all humans are 99.7% uh, share DNA with Neanderthals, and then I turn around and say uh, that only 2.5% is found in non-African humans, then, hey, what am I saying? You know, I'm, it sounds like a, a contradiction, but it's not. It's just that we have to properly define what is being um, analyzed to, to produce these numbers. And so when you say 99.7% share DNA with Neanderthals, you're talking about the entire genome, which is what, 3.5 billion uh, uh, base pairs of um, within the whole entire genome. So when you compare the entire genome, 99.7% uh, is shared with Neanderthals. But when you take a subset, a very smaller subset of that entire genome and only look at the variance then this is where you get that other percentage from. So out of the variances, um, there's only 2.5% that is on average that is shared with non-African human, humans. So, so these percentage numbers are coming from two different uh, forms of analysis. One is on the entire genome and the other one is only on the variance, a, a section of the variances, which, are, which are, have been identified um, as such to be able to make these distinctions. This is what can tell us that uh, the genes that are inherited um, through lineages are, are shared with, you know, this genetic population versus the other. Okay, so it's not the entire genome. Because if you, if, and this is why it says 98.8% is identical with the um, chimp. And so they're talking about the entire genome. All right, so hopefully that's clear. And and let's let's just look at an example of it, of the confusion, because if somebody reads that that they are ninety eight point eight percent identical with a chimp, but then they turn around and read that the human is only two point five percent identical with the Neanderthal, then one will is left to think that wait a minute we're closer to chimps than we are with Neanderthals, but I thought you said that Neanderthals are humans as well because of Homo Neanderthals, you know, et cetera. So don't be confused that way. They're talking about two different um, things. The 98.8 is the entire genome that we share. And then when it gets down to the you know 2.5% or 4% and stuff like that, it's talking about uh, analyzing the variances that, that are identifiable for the different gene populations. So, and it gets kind of complicated. I'm, I'm being, you know, kind of uh, brief with it. And hopefully that's clear enough, but... Uh, you know, we always share links and everything inside of the Facebook group. So um, I'll definitely share the link so that people could um, look further into that.
drink. Thank you for that. Okay, and so then in the study, um, they said they discovered, um, so in the second contradiction, um, he noted that in the 2012 study, so apparently this is after the 2010 study, um, the interbreeding theory cast doubt because they re-examined the bones from a southern Spain that were used in an earlier study with new radiocarbon dating techniques. They discovered that the Neanderthal bones were more than 50,000 um, years ago. And so humans aren't believed to have settled in the area until 42,000 years ago, meaning that it may be unlikely that they live together and um, interbred. So basically saying that the Neanderthal bones were too old um, and didn't necessarily match with the date, you know, which, you know, I would have to read this entire study to to get all of the data. But, but what I will say is that with these studies, they study different human migration. So not only the migration into, you know, Asia, but also the migration into Europe. So we just have to look at the study a little more to get a better understanding of um, what he's talking about. I wish he was here to kind of explain it because, you know, I don't really have the answer to it, but, you know, I don't necessarily know if that those dates are accurate. And if, you know, we know that humans started migrating out of um, Africa, you know, 60,000 years ago, because, you know, we have, um, you know, the Aboriginal Australians who migrated out. So where um, Andrew got this 42,000 number is beyond me. So, um, so, but I think what's important here is, you know, we have to kind of make sure that, you know, we understand that, you know, we see humans outside of Africa, you know, later than, earlier than 42,000 years ago. So, okay. Now, okay. Um, what I would say to this, <clears throat> without even getting uh, deep into the actual study itself, we have the first thing that you can realize is that the brother Andrew is comparing apples with oranges. Because in the first quote that he's giving, he's talking biology genetics in the second quote he's talking archaeology with bones okay so there so so he's not talking about what the dna or the biology is saying he's talking about bones found and dating of bones so it's talking about radiocarbon dating and stuff like that so right off the top this is inappropriate you know this is not um applicable okay so so there's no contradiction because you're comparing apples and oranges here and the DNA proves without a doubt, no one argues, argues this point that Neanderthals interbred with Homo sapiens sapiens. And, and, and again, you look at the, the last sentence, it says humans aren't believed to um, have settled the area till 42,000 years ago. So again, he's, he's misusing the word humans as if Neanderthals are not humans. So that's one error, just like the, the first one we, we mentioned. But um looking past that these two these two comparisons of quotes are are like comparing apples and oranges and so this is what happens when people that are, that don't take the time out to really study the issues and and things that 
you know, they'll they'll misuse, you know, information or quotes against each other to create arguments or whatever. And, and it really just doesn't apply. That second quote just that second quote just doesn't apply to the conversation at all. <laughs> it just doesn't. It's talking about it's just information. <laughs> it's just information. Your radio radio carbon dating bones uh, suggesting that um, the bones were more than 50,000 years old. And then if, if humans are believed to have settled in the area 42,000 years ago, uh, regardless, because he's talking about interbreeding. We know interbreeding occurred because the genes say so. Not the dating of bones, but the genes say so. And the genes, uh, you know, anybody who, who deals with uh, genetics and stuff, um, um, they understand that although we're saying the word genes and we're saying uh, SNPs or nucleotides and base pairs and stuff like that, it really comes down to math. Because you have 3.5 billion base pairs and these genes are coded with four let letters. And the four letters stand for, you know, four different words, but they come out in a pattern and you can compare the pattern on the entire genome. And if it's if it match, it either matches or it doesn't. And where it doesn't match or where it's supposed to be a, a certain two letter combination, and it's not. They identified as a mutation. So so this stuff is is very mathematical in nature. You know, um, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of put that in there. I, you know, without even reading the entire study, it's just that okay, hey, thanks for the information, but that just doesn't apply. Yeah. So the four letters are the um, I never can say these correctly, but um, adenine, gunanine, cysteine, and thymine. Mm -hmm. um, those are the four letters that they generally see within the um, um, the SNPs. A T C G. Yeah. And all those. Yeah, so yeah, that's a great point. Doesn't even apply. So, um, so where are we at on this post? So I mean, I mean, I think that's kind of like the the basis. Then he goes, then he goes into conclude. So according to the second study, <laughs> um, if humans and Neanderthals didn't get to interbreed, the similar genomes of humans and Neanderthals could be a result of both groups having a common ancestor. Um, well, we know they have a common ancestor because we all belong to the genus Homo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. This is this is a classic example of a misuse of information. Thinking is saying one thing when it really is not, and it's not even that complicated. Like it, it's it's a complex subject, but it's not hard to to just flow. You know. We're, we're, we're connected in the gen same genus of homo, which, which by default and definition, we share a common ancestor. So that, that's like a given, you know, already that like before you even get to the, to the specifics, that's, that's the given already. You're already walking into the conversation knowing that much, you see, so. Right. So there was, as you can see, as I said earlier, a lot of the misunderstandings in the groups and a lot of the back and forth is mostly related to people not taking the time to really read the post and understand the information well enough to be able to articulate and have a conversation um, because, you know, we wasn't really having this discussion about you know, whether or not we had a common ancestor or not. That wasn't the discussion, but Andrew thought that 
um, that was this discussion and everything that I posted or <laughs> John Wu posted, he jumped in and was just kind of um, trying to <laughs> make points that, you know, we already clearly define and, you know, or we clearly um, explain. Yeah. So then he... <laughs> Oh, go ahead. I, I highlighted in blue because I I just wanted to go ahead. No, you go ahead and read the last part. <laughs> okay, he and then and then the last bit is is and yes, it's indeed a fact that the average modern African has no Neanderthal DNA as quoted above, but this shouldn't lead one to to the conclusion that there is a concept of pure human and impure human. Neanderthals could, after all, be our kins, and we could simply be offshoots clads of a common ancestor now i just want to say that this is a perfect example of what i uh say that when people will say something in opposition but they're not really in opposition there this is a straw man logical fallacy because none of us even in the group have made a claim that Neanderthals weren't or that uh, Homo sapiens and Homo sapiens sapiens and Neanderthals were not kin to each other by way of a common ancestor. This is something that we that we say all the time anyway. And we never implied impure versus um, uh, pure uh, human. And we never take Neanderthal out of the category of being human in the first place. So so, you know, I'm just seeing a, lot, a big logical fallacy here to give the impression that something is being refuted and it's not at all. Like we're, we're actually in agreement with this last paragraph. Right. Right. So, and in many ways that last paragraph kind of contradicted his first point as well as <laughs> the second point. So of course you it know, did. It, <laughs> so it's like, okay, Andrew. So we did invite Andrew to, to have a discussion. So, um, you know, we can kind of clear the air and give him an opportunity to have a voice because you know in previous posts he has um questioned the val the validity of evolution or if it's even possible. And here we are, we have him agreeing with it and also disagreeing with it. So, you know, we got to kind of check our biases at the door when. You know, we're giving information, we're giving information um, biasly, and we're not trying to sway you in either direction. What we're trying to do is help to um, improve or keep you informed about what's going on, because this conversation is a conversation that we have often, and it's just like people aren't really getting it. And it's like we're having this conversation over and over again, especially with a group of people who believe that we're not even Africans. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that it's important that we just take the time to kind of go over it because if we can, you know, if we understand that we're African and we can, you know, understand the importance of Africa to the human, to human evolution, then we can move on from that and begin to discuss you know, culture and genetics and other things. But until we understand like the basics, then it's going to be difficult for us to kind of move forward. Um, so that's why we're having this conversation. I know some people often say, oh, you're always talking about this. It's important because as you can see, there's a lot of people repeating misinformation about us not being African or what a human is, what a human isn't. And so 
we just got to take our blinders off and really look at the information and accept it based on what it is um, and then move forward because this isn't going to make us or break us, but it can keep us from moving forward. Definitely. And um, so I think that last um, paragraph that we that we just saw when he mentions pure versus impure brings us to another topic that I want to touch on, uh, which is the idea of, of pure. And but before I do that, um, there are some comments inside of the inside of the uh, YouTube chat that I think that we should um, bring up and, and address. Um, I'm not sure if you saw them. Um, a couple of questions or comments that came up. Is that up. in the Facebook or in the YouTube? On the YouTube. Okay. So I'm just going to... So did, did um, Andrew show up? No, Andrew didn't show up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any other questions? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I am um, just trying to read some of the questions here. And comments. So, forty-two tribes. Uh, first of all, peace and sh and shout out to everyone who's who's tuned in. Because, like I said, we we do these impromptu open discussions. So, it's almost like you catch it if you catch it, and you don't if you don't. Uh, we we won't, we don't want it quite like that. So, we're gonna um, kind of forewarn everyone. But we're gonna have them so much that you you could pretty much expect us to to get on. You know, we want it to be a casual thing and. Um, and kind of be you know friendly for people to come on in so i'm going to share the link also in a, in, a, in a few minutes but i do see one statement uh 42 tribes said either all humans are pure or none are and so that will lead me into the to the conversation but uh so we're going to hold that for a hot second and we're going to talk about that next but then what's after that um, um what's the best evidence that homo sapiens bred with neanderthals Oh, okay. I see that. And wouldn't the genes say so without interbreeding? Um, the best evidence is the is the as the genome itself, the the human genome. When you get your DNA sequenced, and you have and you share variants that are found in the Neanderthal uh, gene uh, genome, then that is the evidence that will suggest that there were interbreeding uh, taking place. You inherited that from somewhere. And so this is this is within the human genome today. Now there are there are um, degrees of percentages of that um, shared inheritance. So this is why you see people will say, well, there are a, a genetic population of Africans that have none, and then you have there are some Africans that have very little, and then you have Asians will have a certain percentage, what we're calling Asians, and then you may have Europeans that will have a certain percentage, and then we have you know, people who descended from the um, mafia or slave, uh, Atlantic slave trade and everything will have an admixture and will be in between the two, you know, from from one to what was it? Uh, Naya, what's the what are the Asians considered uh, percentage? Um, so the Asian Asians, um, certain Asians have 20 percent more Neanderthal DNA than Europeans, Europeans. So that's their number. So some of them have upward to 20%. I think it's the East Asians. Okay. So, and so, yeah. And, and because, see, and this is something we have to understand too. The, the, as you walk backwards in time, um, international travel didn't exist like it does today. T 
today we have international travel it's so easy it's very cheap and 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 you know everybody's all over the world today and so um so it change it changes the way that that data has to be analyzed or interpreted today but the further back you go you know you can start seeing a little more clearer lines between different things depending on how you're analyzing the data and so um so through admixture and things we inherit um these different um traits or or genes from from neanderthal and so this is what shows up so the evidence that anyone will be looking for is right in the genes themselves and, and there's no denying that and that's what that's right. what that's what makes genomics uh, uh, a much better objective field and discussion because it's it's mathematical in nature, even though obviously you have to interpret the data, but but the data itself is mathematical in nature, so it makes it uh, that much more objective, you know, because you you can self-report, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I am this, and you just have to realize that you're only saying that because of the social constructs, but when it, but when your genes are analyzed, that's what's going to tell you what's what's really good, what's really going on. All right. Right. Because so so to answer your question, you know, just to add to what Ujabu was saying is that, yes, it is possible um, for us to have the Neanderthal without direct interbreeding. And that's true for most Africans, like Ujabu said, most of us who underwent or went through the Atlantic slave trade, um, we have portions of DNA um, because of our admixture with um, Europeans and some Asians. And then Africans, there was a study done with um, the Khoisan, 35, I think, um, the sample size was 35. There was evidence of a migration or a back migration, um, which resulted in some Neanderthal admixture, but it wasn't a result of like direct um, contact so there there is it's possible but and we see that in the African in the African sense because most Africans don't have any um, Neanderthal DNA because um, of course we stayed in Africa and we primarily bred with other archaic humans on the continent which would um, be different from those archaic humans such as Neanderthal out of the continent because of the environmental factors that you see or the conditions you see in Asia and Europe, extremely cold, um, putting pressures on us in many different ways. So the idea of pure human is something which I was going to talk about, but it, it really doesn't exist in our genus. Um, we're a combination of everything and um, we have to kind of celebrate that diversity. Yeah, you know what? I want to add something because I, I in rereading his que the question, um, it goes into what we were talking about before, as well. Because on one hand, all living humans today, African or not, we share ninety nine point seven percent DNA with Neanderthals. Now that is a different analysis, though, that produced that number. Okay. And and so when when the question is asked, wouldn't the gene say so without interbreeding? Now, if we didn't interbreed, 
then the still the 99.7% number will still hold. I mean, it's, it's still what it is. So right. that that will tell us that we have a shared common ancestor. Now, so I think I think something that we didn't mention is is we have to clarify is that when when um when we say gene variants, what what geneticists do, they look at the different variations of a gene. And then if they can isolate it to a genetic population, the highest frequency. So let's just say um Let's say one population has a variance. Let's just label it A. And um, and then the same uh, po population close by, they have the variance B and the variance C. So this one big pool of people have variance A, B, and C. And so, but you have this other pool of people may have variant D that's not inclusive in this other pro population of people over here. And so it's this ability to isolate, which, which is what's... Uh, made use of when you're given these percentages by way of interbreeding. So the interbreeding means that you inherited these variations that have previously been isolated to a specific gene population. So the gene population that we're calling Neanderthals had a variant. And let's just name the variant um, ABC. And so other people who inherited this uh, ABC variant um, because it's been isolated among the Neanderthals, now we know that after it's been isolated and that's the highest frequency among them, now we can see if it if it's if it's found in anybody else, then it must have occurred by way of interbreeding because you had to inherit it, inherit that. And that's that's the gist. You know, I'm trying to explain it in a, in a lay way of how the difference between the, the conversation of interbreeding versus the conversation of just shared DNA in general. Okay. Yeah, that was really good. That was a really good explanation, y'all. I think that makes sense. And you can, and Wiki has a really good article on Neanderthal, and in that article, it specifically tells you which genes were inherited. So, if you want more information, you can go to the Wiki article Neanderthal, and it breaks down the gene, which you know has to a lot to do with, um, I think, hair. I think your audio is going out, went out. Okay, I think uh, Sister Naya's audio went out. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that, hopefully that's, that's um, understood about the, in, the conversation on interbreeding and inheritance versus the entire genes shared by way of the entire genome which will include the common ancestor so we obviously have a common ancestor with the neanderthal and um uh, because the genetic population or because a group of people um can be identified as a separate entity or separate ge genetic population by way of the variances that this genetic population has as opposed to others and so once you can establish that, uh, and this, this is probably a good segue into the conversation about pure and impure, but uh, once you can establish variants uh, of genes existing in one particular gene pool versus another, now you have your, your foundation to establish uh, inheritance so uh, and interbreeding. So hopefully... Um, Hopefully that's just a little better uh, understood. So I don't know if we have Naya came back yet. 
Yeah, I came back. Sorry about that. I was just talking. I was gone, but I was just talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your audio went out. Yeah, so I was just I was just filling it in. So I was saying that that I think that that's a good segue into um, pure and impure because I basically kind of hinted to it just now already that um, that there is in a, in a technical sense there is no such thing as as something being pure by by the context you know by the meaning that that people think it means because now this this may sound philosophical or you know metaphysical but it's actually not and it's really straightforward and simple um when when we say something is pure or not we're really just simply saying something is fully what we have defined it to be versus something uh being of two or more things of something we've defined them to be. So, for example, if I define um, something as A, and 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 then I find, define something else as B, then A in and of itself would be declared pure, and B in and of itself would be declared pure, because that's how we defined it, and we set up these this border around uh, this identity of this of whatever it is. And so when A and B mix, the only way, the only reason why I can even say A and B mix is, is I would have to have already identified A and B first. Because because you'll never know a mixture until you've already identified the separate components in order for you to even say the word mix. And so when we say pure, we're only simply talking about uh the the fullness of whatever we have identified because technically so this is where the philosophical part comes in because technically everything is a part of every other thing and for those people who don't believe me or it may sound a little out there whatever the case is just just look at it as um for those who are into photography or video uh, look at it as zooming in or zooming out uh or macro micro okay so on a macro level, and we look at things, we'll see things that are different. So like if I look at this book on my desk, I look at my uh, cell phone or whatever the case is, uh, notice that I have identified them separately. I said a book and I said a cell phone. But that's, on, that's looking at it on the surface, on the macro level. But once I zoom in to the essence or the composition of these two things, the further, the further, the further zoomed in I get, the more the same we'll have. So the, the further you zoom in, you'll get to, to sameness. And the further you zoom out, you'll get to differentiation, differences. So differences, when you zoom out, when you zoom in, you'll get to sameness. And what I mean by that is that the phone and the book are both made up of atoms. And atoms we know are made up of three, three things, electrons, protons, neutrons. So the book and the phone are made up of the same kind of substances. But it's just that they're arranged differently, which brings about their gross, their gross difference on the macro level. And, and, and you know, we don't even have to get complicated. We just look at the, at the periodic table of, of elements to see that where uh, oxygen is different from carbon. But both oxygen and carbon have the same are made up of the same things. Electrons, protons, and neutrons. It's just the arrangements of those three things that makes them different. Uh, oxygen may have. Uh, two orbits and a certain number of electrons whereas carbon have a different one. So I think it's carbon is 666 
uh, six neutrons, six protons, and six electrons, where oxygen, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's different. But it's made up of the same thing. So even in that sense, you compare oxygen to carbon, they're, they're made up of the same thing, which means that, that everything is composed of every other thing. And we only identify it as oxygen. We identify this as carbon. And so now based on our ident identification, based on a border that we set, that's what we call what it is. And so now we can say that this is pure and that's pure. So pure oxygen and pure carbon. If they mix, if they come together, now we can say it's mixed and it's impure. But even once that mix occurs, if we if we defined it, so now we got uh, carbon and oxygen. So now together, let's just say carbon dioxide, just for the sake of the conversation. Once I identify carbon dioxide, now I could say pure carbon dioxide. Only in the context if carbon dioxide is going to mix with something else. You see what I'm saying? So pure pureness is always relative, and that's and that's the bottom line. That's what I want to I get to. Pureness is always relative. It always is. Okay, so when people say pure human, then you have to look at the context. You're talking about pure Homo sapiens sapien, which in and of itself is a is a result of a mixture. But because we define that mixture as Homo sapiens sapiens, now we have a new pure. You see what I'm saying? We have a new pure. And so when Homo sapiens sapiens mixed with Neanderthals, now we can say that we can say those words that it mixed. When Homo sapiens sapiens itself is a mixture. You know, so anyway, I just want to kind of get that and hopefully that wasn't like too philosophical or anything. But, um, you know, if anybody has uh, uh, want to question me on that, by all means, please do. But hopefully that was kind of clear. I didn't want to go, you know, too much on the in the clouds with that. But I hope people understood that. What do you think now? Nope. I think that was a good explanation. I think it, you know, it kind of centered us in our thoughts and our um, and how we use words and context. And when we're using pure and impure, we got to understand the limitations to that. And, um, Exactly. It can get confusing. <laughs> so yeah, I think you did a great job of explaining. Yeah, and but see, and and it only becomes a problem when people want to argue because in in everyday conversation, if I say, if I say a pure a, a drink this pure water, nobody would really nobody would argue with that. No, <laughs> you know, knowing that water itself is not is not pure technically because it's H two and O, so it's hydrogen and oxygen. So it it itself is a mix. That's why we call it a molecule, which is a <laughs> which is a mixture of elements. You see what I'm saying? So right. so people just have to understand the context and and just relax. I'm I'm, t I'm telling you, if this community would just relax a little bit, man, we could have some really really good conversations, um, you know, all throughout. So yeah, right. I think that we've like in this community, we've been kind of conditioned to for the for the debate and for the battle and for the the fight and you know I think we're all guilty of it I know I'm certainly guilty of it um and so I think that once we relax once we begin to slow down and begin to listen to each other and and take the time to read and to study the content then we'll find that a lot of the things that we are debating are things that um, that we can resolve. Like there, we, we shouldn't have these continued rhetorical 
circular arguments over and over again but i think it's part of kind of what you always say it's kind of the culture that we've created so yeah you know part of what we're doing here on our platform is trying to create a culture where you know it's based on scholarship and really engaging with each other respectfully and on a whole different level so um i'm, I'm gonna put the link for anybody watching to chime in uh but i think 42 tribes um statement kind of goes into what you had brought up inside the facebook group so for example he says um and i'm assuming 42 tribes is, is a is a male so please forget i always say this forgive me <laughs> if i'm wrong <laughs> but um he says that uh could that be genetic drift in a more bottlenecked population that's one question the second question or statement is that non-africans are more neanderthal because they are less diverse diverse and the reason why I say that kind of goes into what you had posted inside the Facebook group is because this ties into um, uh, uh, class or, or clino. You know, when you when you gave the uh, anthropologic mm -hmm. models, the three models of human variations and stuff, I think mm -hmm. that ties into what he uh, is saying uh, there in terms of the mm -hmm. third, the third way. Um so I don't know if you want to kind of go into that a little bit while I, I'm going to pass this link out uh, right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that that, you know, um, 42 tribes, thank you for the, the question. I think that um, genetic drift, you know, is always a possibility. The bottleneck population, always a possibility. You know, non-Africans aren't as diverse as um, as Africans because of the you know, clino or the environmental factors and because of, you know, bottleneck as well as sexual selection and all those different mechanisms. So, and when we're talking about DNA, we're never eliminating a mechanism um, for natural selection. We're looking at it from a whole and not just saying it is one thing. It could, it could be a combination of many things. So um, I think that in context, if you're saying that we possibly got neanderthal dna because of but bottleneck and population drift then I, I would say that i would have to agree with wujawu's position you know wujawu's explanation is that we definitely got it by um admixture but i think that anytime we're looking at the diversity of our species and of homo sapiens sapien we should always consider bottleneck and um genetic drift as a possibility for the diversity that we see within our species but for the question if it's specifically related to neanderthal and why we have it i think that it's clear when we look at the genes and when we look at the data that it was a result of a mixture um or some breeding event between our species and theirs correct Ujawa? yeah yeah that's yeah that's good and and just just some some basic common sense is that um when we when we say clinal it is very just common sense it's the fact that uh most humans would are likely to mate and have an offspring with somebody that lives close to them it's just as simple as that and and so the genes get dispersed in a clinal the word clinal is is like synonymous to gradient this is why you see a gradient in the gene flow because because the closer you are to someone is the most the more likely you are to mate with them and have an offspring with them and so so this is why you see 
the, the, the gradation of the genes on maps and they call it clinal. And so that's, that's basically um, what it is. And so like when he, you know, that's why I said it kind of ties into what, what he uh, was saying. Uh, let me see where'd it go. Um, the you know the bottlenecking where'd it go? Uh, yeah, could it be genetic drift? Any more bottleneck population, and the fact that non-Africans are Neanderthal because they're less diverse. So that's one possibility. But what I'm saying, clinal. The reason why it goes into clinal is because Neanderthal uh, arose out of Europe, you know, um, or West Asia in that Eurasia area. And so, yep. and so by, by just definition, you know, those Neanderthals will likely mate to those who are near them. And so since Europe proper is near, uh, you know, the area of Neanderthal, what Neanderthal, Germany <clears throat> or wherever, um, in that area it's, it's close proximity. So you're likely to mate with somebody in your close proximity. So it's, it's not, so when you say non-African, that's why the, the concentration is, is there. Then, you of course, you have migrations and things like that. But that's the basic concept behind um, behind that. And it's true. But it's not true today because we have international travel. You know, you can you can fly to the Caribbeans for like $150 or whatever the case is and stuff like that. So so that's why I said today is changing. It's, it, it's changing. It's forcing people to actually analyze it differently. The clientele analysis is really um becoming less and less uh what you call it useful because of international travel today but prior to 500 years ago uh clinal clinal is very is a very useful analysis a very useful tool very useful yes i think so because it helps to kind of understand um the different aspects of of human you know, diversity and what happens when you're in one environment versus the other environment and how that places stress kind of on the, um, you know, to kind of make some, make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, then you have natural selection and sexual selection. Right. And, and so, um, and those are two things people need to look up natural selection. What, what is, what is that? Like what, what is that all about? And sexual selection. Um, though both of those uh, affect or impact genetic populations and the whole discussion about evolution, the discussion about genetic ancestry, um, all of that is important. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I put the link inside the, um, the YouTube chat. So, uh, you know, you can click on the link and come on in. Uh, it's open. We have an open discussion. So this is not, you know, you know, you don't have to. Matter of fact, when you come in, you don't have to have your web camera on. Uh, you know, only thing required is that you have you can hear us and you have your, a microphone if you want to be heard. But, um, you know, we look look come for in, participation. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, 42 Tribe said, can I? Oh, I can jump in. Yeah, no problem. And, and listen, and you don't have to listen. I, I always I usually make this dis disclaimer when we first start. I am not a geneticist. I'm not a biologist. I didn't go to school for that. I didn't specialize in that. I don't have any degrees in it. You know, this is something that fascinates me so much so that I have actually done uh, studies in it. I took a, a, a online course for basic 
uh, biology and, and genetics. So just just so I could understand it, the subject matter better. So when I had my DNA tested, I, I know what it means. You know, I'm not one of those people that will just make these assumptions and inferences based on just ignorance, you know. And it's very fascinating because, I, like I said, genetics at its core is very mathematical in nature. And I love math and science. That's my thing. Now, I did go to school for computer science and all that stuff. And so this this fits right at home. You know, science and math. Genetics is a, a branch of uh, science, you know, whatever. But so I'll make this disclaimer. And I'm saying this because you don't have to be uh, a biologist or whatever to come on and come into this uh, Zoom, into this uh, hangout. All right. So don't be scared. <laughs> yeah. We've had biologists and a scientist and a doctor in the last week who came in and um, kind of confirmed a lot of the things that we were saying, because I'm also not a, a geneticist or a biologist. I'm a therapist. And so my focus is primarily in psychology and sociology and people and to get people to move from one stage to the next. So I'm interested in this conversation because specifically biology and, and, um, and how, because we lost so much and the what would y'all say mafa that's what they say we lost so mm -hmm. much in it that we 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 sort of lost our, our identity and who we are and where we came from and our culture and our experience and so you know part of the restoration of of our culture is kind of getting back to the science you know we our ancestors were came from Kemet, one of the greatest civilizations known to man very scientific it was very spiritual it had many institutions inside one big institution so we have to we have to understand these bases because science is the future for not only african people but for all people and you have to be able to think and have a scientific mind and solve problems and be able to come up with solutions and you can't do that if you don't understand um, science and really, you know, methodology and how to examine information and arrive at evidence-based conclusions because we have too many, too many people making up stuff in this community. I mean, making up um, things and trying to direct people on paths and they themselves haven't prepared in any way, whether it's education or even becoming a didact or even studying under any someone or um taking a class like Ujawa was saying i mean these people just coming up with ideas and presenting it to the community as if it has been proven to be correct and successful and relevant when it's when it hasn't and that's dangerous i mean i can give you like two instances of that today of people presenting stuff and it's not accurate so we as a community we got to do better because we need the evidence because without the evidence we're wasting our time yeah just another church you know we might as well just go back to the church if we're just gonna uh, make up stuff just honestly i mean we have to have the evidence because the evidence is what's going to yield the solutions yep and a perfect example is uh china China is making uh, practical use of the, their accumulation of knowledge, which is what science is. 
and they they have become a, a scientific literate uh, large community with billions with with well I'll say billions um, yeah of people. I think China has what the largest population outside of um, it's number one in population, right? In terms of yeah, one of the largest, like in that India area, I think they have like three billion people. Yeah, China, yeah, about two. Right. So, so percentage-wise, they are very, very scientifically literate. And you look at just look at what what China is doing. They, they, you know, they they're building um, what they call sponge islands where people can live dwelling dwelling neighborhoods that that are constructed in such a way that it absorbs water if there's a flood you know um they've they've recently worked on a um impenetrable uh networking system uh comparable to the internet um so you know i'm just naming some stuff that i just saw today actually uh and so China, you know, China is rooted in whatever their culture is. They have they have their machine. They have their systems set up that are interrelated. They don't they're not borrowing and trying to plug in mix mix matching parts like they're not trying to take a Mercedes engine and put it inside of a Honda car and expecting it to work. They have their stuff that fits together uh, within their culture. You know, they have Bazi, Feng Shui, uh, Qigong, uh, uh, I Ching. Um, all these different so-called spiritual system or divination systems that work hand in hand together. You know, they're not the kind of people that will mix uh, Kemet with stuff from India, call it Kemetic yoga or Kundalini chakra raising in a Kemetic way, whatever the, the case is. And, and so, and you can see the, the fruits of them doing that over time. And so now, because really look at any documentary about 50 years ago, 60 years ago, China was not being mentioned nowhere near like it's being mentioned in conversations like we're having right now. China was off the radar. And that, and that was just as, you know, six decades ago. So in your in our grant, in our parents life lifetime. China has 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 excelled tremendously to the point where they're colonizing Africa, <laughs> uh, you know, and whatever the case is. So anyway. Yeah, they colonize and in their building. I read the other day that they built a rail system in Kenya. Um, they have these cities that they've built in like West some Western um, countries within Africa. So, I mean, the engineering, the science, the technology, I mean, it can be used to build. And, and we have to be able to recognize the value of science and i know that there's a a lot of resistance to science um and i i know why it's because it's difficult <laughs> you know it's it, it's hard and it takes time and it takes effort and it takes reading and studying and um focusing so but we have to recommit ourselves to science because really truly african americans in this country have always been in the forefront front of education of in science of anything that has been progressive in this country and we can't allow um what's the word for it we can't allow the new generation of people who aren't necessarily interested in science and technology to change that it's important to our growth and to our community you can't build a civilization you can't build a community you can't build a uh, 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 um, a nation without science and technology. 
Exactly. And that's that's important. Scientific literacy is the key. That, you know, look look across history. Every successful civilization that was born, it matured and it may have declined at its at its mature, you know, its at its mature state, it was very scientifically inclined for that particular day and time. And so this is why, you know, some of us focus on Kemet uh, because Kemet is a very, very, very good example of that. You know, so um, there's others, but, you know, Kemet is is like the one that's plentiful in data. Like we have, it's data rich. And this is what I always tell people. They're like, why why you study Kemet and not Nubia or or other places, West Africa, South Africa and whatnot. Um, and I just tell them Kemet is data rich. Show me a more data-rich civilization in Africa, and and then I'll put that next on my list. <laughs> it's just that simple. Like, we don't have to argue, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that's that's just how how it is. But yeah, science scientific literacy is important. Um, I posted the link another time, so those who want to jump in, um, by all means, jump on in, uh, be a part of the conversation. We are discussing. Um, it's open discussion, but we've been uh, kind of touching on issues of genetics dna and addressing some of the comments that's made inside of our facebook group so i don't know if we want to move on to another uh post because that was that was just one <laughs> one post from the brother um that really ended up saying like you said he ended up really contradicting his original point and <laughs> and right. and it ended up at the end we don't disagree with with the the last bit that he said because it's something that we say all the time that Homo sapiens or Homo sapiens sapiens, we do share a common ancestor with uh, Neanderthal. Therefore, yes, they are our kin in that context. Yes. Yes, there was interbreeding. How do we know? Because the, the DNA shows that today. Interbreeding occurred because we have variances that show up in Homo populations of Homo sapiens sapiens that are of a very high frequency and isolated among the Neanderthals and the, and the way that we got them is through interbreeding so that's why you see the diff percentage differences um like you said we said 30 percent for asians and oh you said 20 percent more yeah that 20 more 20 percent more than europeans that's kind of like how it reads so so asians basically have 20 percent more neanderthal dna than Europeans because basically what you said earlier is that the Neanderthal was up in that Eurasia area. So they had three contacts with them at, whereas we had one. So they have double. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they, they interacted with them at least three times when we interact. Well, when Homo sapiens sapiens, the non-African interacted, it's believed to be once. So, so because they were, you know, Asia is older than Europe. And so and Neanderthal was, in Europe, but he was also in that area. Well, there you go. So, um, so yeah. So I don't know if we want to um, move on to another uh, right. another. Well, post we do have two guests on the panel. So we have is who we got forty two. Okay, forty two tribes. So please clear it up for me, and I, I deeply apologize if if I was wrong. But forty two, maybe you could introduce yourself and and. Uh, Real quick, and 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 if you had some comments, because you 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 were the main one that was actually commenting inside of the uh, chat. So if your mic is is working fine, then uh, please introduce yourself and uh, give you the give you the floor. Hey, hold up to everybody. 
Hotep. Hotep. So, okay. I'm, so, officially, uh, 42 Tribes is definitely a male. Because <laughs> I said either or. Because 42 Tribes, I didn't know. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, um, <laughs> if I, someone says there are 42 Tribes of female, I'll give them a password. And they can speak for me. But this is a male version. <laughs> right. All right. No. Okay. So, we got that clear. But I'm sorry. But go ahead. Uh, Mike is yours. Um, really, I'm, I'm mainly, <clears throat> and this is something I get um mostly from now 42 could you please just introduce yourself and just tell us just a little bit about you and your background just so we can i'm would consider myself um mainly someone that's uh had a crash course in kemet in a, a really short time and not to say that i um i'll probably be studying a lot more soon since i have more free time so um, you, you'll probably see me more with uh, um, with the session body better better. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. That's yep. We we welcome you. Welcome it. All right. Yep. Uh, but that that's the main thing is a crash course in a short time. Um, with that and other aspects of Africa as a continent and West Asia just. It started, um, did a video about the two faces of ancient Egypt and some commentary over on uh, since then, teaching and still studying. Um, and in doing that, like with, uh, with, I'll, I'll, I'll eavesdrop a lot on conversations and I'll eavesdrop on debates, especially. So, because that seems to be when people throw out their tightest information. And in doing that, especially at Egypt search with this guy who goes by XY men, I think he got banned there recently. But he's always making the argument that people did not uh, interbreed with Neanderthals. And since in the past, it seems like nothing's right the first time when it comes to Neanderthals, I entertained it. And I, I would eavesdrop to see if, if there was a better argument against that. And basically, his argument is similar to I think the second paragraph of the, the Facebook post that you read, where mm -hmm. it's questioning if, like the shared ancestor thing is just leftover genetics, and since non-Sub-Saharan Africans are more bottlenecked, then they're going to have a higher percentage of whatever they left Africa with. And since uh, Neanderthal as a variant was there, and then the question, and to some degree this was answered, but I would probably have to listen to the answer again and, and pour over it. But it sounds like that geneticists are at a point where they, they can tell the difference between what's left over from a common ancestor and what is, I guess, a result of people um breeding sex so mm -hmm. that that seems to be the thing is and and really truthfully i don't even care i'm just i i want us just people to be more objective because there's so many magical thinkers so when i hear people turning the neanderthals into the spawn of satan because they're bred with with uh people who, who behave like or 
more related to people who, who behave like the spawn of Satan as a society. I'm thinking, well, maybe you should ease back on this because we keep getting things wrong with Neanderthals anyway. Because I can tell you, there was a point when they were hunched over. There was a point when they were pale. And then there's, there's some that were tested for pigment genes and they had pigment genes like Africans and Asians. So things are always seem to be wrong the first time with Neanderthals. I'm always clicking this thing, sorry. And um, that's that's basically it. So it's just wanting to see for myself so I can teach it better and just have a tighter understanding. Is there, how strong is the evidence that this is a result of interbreeding and not just a more bottleneck group of people? Well, hey, you said a mouthful. Um, I, 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 the one thing that jumps out I want to address is that we did have a conversation and I'm not sure if it's one of the conversations that, that, are not, that are no longer available, but we did have a conversation about the demonization of the Neanderthals. You know, like you mentioned, um, you, said, you said it as spawn of Satan, <laughs> but people tend to, de to demonize Neanderthals as if they are an um, infectious disease and anybody that has any percentage of Neanderthal is, is, is an impure human and you know it's something that to be frowned upon and and avoided and things like that that's that's the f nature of the conversations that's really why the impure versus pure subject even came up in the first place and so but we kind of have a conversation about that already to kind of to dispel that one the neanderthals were not quote unquote what we would call socially white people um because you know as as the science uh, tells the 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 um the genes for blue eyes the genes for pale skin and everything show up much later than the birth of of uh, neanderthals on the scene on the world stage which is about four hundred thousand years ago um for neanderthals that is and so um the pale skin would be out of the question in terms of uh, were they white or or european in that sense um the interbreeding is is there's a lot of data out there you have certain aspects of the immune system that's been that's been passed on to modern homo sapiens sapiens that have come from inheritance of the neanderthals uh and i'm sure naya had already spoke about but she can um touch on it again uh you have uh the different hair uh texture certain certain uh parts of the immune system as i said and i believe um skin um, some aspects of skin, but I think uh, she'd probably be more prepared to go into that. And then just, just, just the uh, people. See, a lot of people are are now because genetics is a hot topic now. You know, it's just misunderstood though. So it's like a pro, it's like a, a curse and a blessing uh, because of these companies are offering these genetic tests. People are getting their um, genes analysis uh, analyzed. And they're getting these results, but they don't understand them. So they're, so they're misinterpreting them and stuff like that. But in these people's results, they will show you, I know company 23andMe will tell you the percentage of Neanderthal DNA that you have inherited in comparison to um, those variances that, that they have set up to test. And then they test all of their customers. So they, they're able to tell you out of all of their customers what what where you fall at among their customers so for example i had i had mine done uh through them and they said that i am only share one percent of their entire customer database of of that particular shared neanderthal uh or, you know percentage of inheritance 
So, which means that most of their database are people that have higher percentages of Neanderthal inheritance than I do, you know. So, and people may misinterpret that and whatnot. But so that there's plentiful, there's plenty of evidence out there. People are, are getting their results back that way. You got the um, the data that's talking about the uh, the hybridization where, um, matter of fact, I'll just yield to uh, Naya because she mentioned this the other day. So I, I'm sure she can... Um, break it down as far as the anathol uh the i think the the male homo sapien no the male neanderthal was impregnating the female uh, homo sapien sapien well i may have that backwards but yeah yeah it's I, backwards I it so it is the neanderthal it's it's kind of weird it's a it's a fascinating story a human story because when the first homo sapiens went into Asia, they were trapped in Asia and they couldn't get into Europe because there were more Neanderthals there and it was difficult for homo sapiens to compete with Neanderthal when they were at their prime, you know. And so once the Neanderthal began to die off, basically the male had become sterile and that was one of the reasons it's believed that they had died off. And so when when you look at the Neanderthal DNA, what you find is you don't see any Y chromosome material there. It's all in the autosomal, which is every, you know, the chromosomes except for the X and Y. And the material is there. So that leads us to believe that, you know, the homo sapien male had to have the contact with the female because the you know at that time the neanderthal male was sterile so he wasn't he couldn't impregnate the homo sapien female anyway she the homo sapien female could not hold neanderthal child it was the other way around so that's how the interchange happened it happened from male to female and then they had offsprings and then that offspring likely then made it with another homo sapien and then that's how but because it, it was only one event in um europe so that was that's kind of the fascinating story behind it is that at the time that we got into Europe, the 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 Neanderthal was basically dying off. So he wasn't producing. They wasn't producing. There was a small community anyway, but they wasn't producing as many um, um, Neanderthals. And so when we got there, that you know the Homo sapien male was able to impregnate the Neanderthal female, and then you know she it was a difficult process for mating between the two, yeah, because of where they were, they were dying off. And what you'll find, and I think that the um, brother, um, 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 what's his name, Jay Gozi, he talked about it in one of his videos, is what you find a lot of the material, it's basically on 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 the micro level so a, a lot of the stuff impacted is on the autosomal level so it deals with your immune system response so europeans by by on um, from a biological perspective have a weaker immune system so they have they deal with stuff like crohn's disease more often um you'll see type 1 diabetes more often um you'll see um they think depression you see a lot of um a lot of issues as a result of those genes so it's you you don't necessarily see it on the surface it's really on the on the micro level you see these these immune system responses some of the immune system responses have been found to be good with them in the case with the um with some asian genes but a lot of them have been found to be negative mutations that occurred as a result of that interaction 
Yeah. All right. There you go. Does that make sense? 42? Still with us? Yeah, it's, it's, okay. um, it, it, it got me thinking. I'll say that. And it does make <laughs> sense. I'm, I'm still also, I'm, I am, I'm just, it got me thinking about how I would picture a more, um, genetically diverse population and a less genetically diverse population because like when you were saying that Europeans have like a, a more diabetes and, and, and stuff like that I'm wondering is it type one yeah, mm -hmm. yeah type one is it could it just be that they're more inbred you know what I mean like because if you take a European and you mix them with a sub-Saharan African, you produce someone who's less Neanderthal. You know what I mean? And could it be that they're just not breeding with enough Homo sapiens because they're more no. a less a less diverse gene pool breeds with itself and produces more of what it once was in the past instead of venturing off and finding oh different types of of um of, of uh, homo sapiens and becoming more homo sapiens well let's just let's just first put understand that we're talking about right now we're talking about history we're not talking about currently the you know we're not talking about specifically what's going on with them at this particular point <laughs> you know the, the things that i described was from their you know from a historic perspective okay so now what you're doing is you're saying, okay, now why do they have what now? Why do why are they why are they having issues with breeding? Kind of what's the question? Because I want to make sure we separate, you know, what I said with what you're saying. Because I'm not saying that whatever's going on with Europeans today is a result of that specific event. I'm saying that as it relates to disease and the development of certain disease it's believed that those genes impact the development of those diseases. Okay, yeah. I'm talking about the disease process. So what process are you talking about? Uh, let me just interject something real quick that, um, and this is for listeners as well, because um, we have to keep in mind that we're talking about genetic populations. And usually on the, when, we, when we discuss genetic populations, we're talking generations. So we have to kind of think in those terms because I know I've seen comments, uh, not tonight, but I've seen comments where people will take a like individualism. Like they'll say, if if this two people did this, then it produced this. And but on our what we're talking about is genetic population. And like when you mentioned diversity versus, uh, um, you know, a population is more diverse than the other. We're talking about um, a whole population. And we have to kind of break down what, what does it mean to be more diverse? Like, what is that a result right. of and stuff like that? So it'll all be in context and make sense to people. So. Right, because every population ha is more prone to diseases. So as African-Americans, we we're prone to certain diseases. Um, as Europeans, they're prone to certain diseases. And all it has to do with environmental factors and, and evolutionary processes. So... All of us are prone to diseases. So when I'm talking about Neanderthal in that context, everyone outside of Africa who contacted had contact with these Neanderthals, they it puts them at risk of certain diseases, right? And I named some a 
few. Crohn's disease is one. To is is one. Um, diabetes type two di diabetes is another one. Um, so so unless we're talking about those two diseases, it's really difficult for us to have a kind of broad conversation about you know just Europeans and white people in general as it relates to the Neanderthal. Because remember, they only have one um, to two percent Neanderthal. DNA and DNA doesn't necessarily translate into any behavioral characteristics um, based on what I know, but it can impact disease and pathology. So that's the context that I'm talking about. So I want to make sure that we're clear that, that that's the context. So, so your question is what? Could you repeat the question? Um, that if because i'm just kind of taking a look at and this is what's interesting is when you look at the population of people who left africa and stayed the okay. key signature is diversity and and non-diversity so mm -hmm. i'm looking at it from that standpoint and saying could those could you still have a higher percentage of like type 1 diabetes and crohn's just based on uh whatever genetics they have. Because I mean, because people, I would assume, would look at this and say, well, if Sub-Saharan Africans can get Crohn's, I don't even know anything that has Crohn's, but I know some that have type 1 diabetes. It is it isn't as common. Type 2, I think, is. But, but um, they would say, if they can get it, isn't it coming from them or coming from something far, far more ancient? And that's sort of where I'm looking at it is almost so much of it has to be really ancient that it's hard to identify what came about recently you know what i mean but that's drift, drifting off topic but that that's it i'm just taking it back to sort of devil's advocate is mm -hmm. will we one day look at this and say we're misreading the baseline because we're looking at it from a european's perspective eurocentric perspective i should say and saying instead of saying okay and by when I say misreading the baseline, we're misreading common ancestor genetics and um, whatever blips you have from populations leaving that that uh, really diverse gene pool and taking that and misreading that with people who um, bred with Neanderthals. Now, I will say this: I'm. I, this is kind of new to me when you talk about the sterile part, because that is evidence that I haven't really considered that Neanderthal males became sterile. It sort of reminds me of what was in the Iceman Inheritance when that book was kind of funny, because the dude was really going in on on Europeans, modern Europeans, because he was talking about how your penis will shrink in the cold, you know, stuff like that. So I was thinking... Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that might have something to do with them being uh, just the male, males losing their ability to reproduce. But other than that, I haven't really considered it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and just just to piggyback, I, I I agree that there's always you know other factors. I, when I speak, I'm not necessarily speaking on my own terms. I'm I'm giving you the research, so the the study that showed that these particular genes are associated with Crohn's disease and other autoimmune um, diseases 
it, it's a result of a scientific study. So I can send you those studies so you can have a better understanding of them because I, I, I'm not making it up. It's, it's based on research and evidence. And um, when you look at genes, um, um, and we talked about this early, how um, genes are produced and you have the four letters and any error in those letters basically create some type of problem and it, it could be a disease. Sometimes the errors are corrected and sometimes they are not. When you look at the Crohn's disease and when you look at the associated gene for that, that can be directly linked to the Neanderthal. That's one of the diseases that we got from them. That's factual. So there's no need to speculate. It is. Now there could be other information that comes in at a later time to dispute that. And then we can move forward. But you know, that's the evidence at this particular time. And um, and also it depends on the, the conversation of what disease, because some diseases are not necessarily um, strong. Like, for example, we say diabetes, uh, people who may not be genetically uh, predisposition to get it may get it because of their lifestyle choices uh, currently, you know, um, but there are other diseases that will probably be better for the conversation that are more. Um, you know that are not uh, lifestyle dependent where they're um, more on the side of inherit inheritable so I, I know i don't know uh, off the top of my head but i remember there's a list of them that that are usually spoken of uh, for example uh there's a jewish population uh ashkenazi that are that have a certain uh is prone to a certain disease that's not based on a, a, a you know present lifestyle something that's that's you know that they have inherited and it's, it's swimming around in their genetic population and things like that. I forget what it is exactly, but um, but I just want to put that on the table as well. So, you know, depending on which disease you're discussing, some of them may be uh, lifestyle triggered and things versus, um, you know, very, very recent or or it is something that is less like that and more so something that is inherited through a through a, from a genetic population that where that existed. It may have been an advantage somewhere else, and now you now through the generations you're relocated in a different environment and all these pressures and stuff like that. It may become harmful, and and a perfect example of of that is the whole vitamin D subject, of you know, uh, people in Africa, the melanin, um, uh, blocks the sun, UV rays, uh, and everything. If if a dark skin person with high melanin uh, on their skin were to move into Europe, eventually uh, they'll be vitamin D deficient because it's blocking the sun so it can't produce it. So therefore the skin has to lighten up to allow more UV penetration, therefore more, um, you know, to, to balance that out. Um, so in one, in one area, it's an advantage to have melanin. It's not, and that's what people don't understand too. I know I don't want to go too far off the subject, but, you know, if people don't understand, I think, Naya, you, you said something similar to this where, where like everybody had everybody is prone to diseases period like the, everybody on the planet even in 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 cat if we lump them into genetic populations is prone to some kind of disease especially if they're out of balance you know if they get it like malaria uh certain people don't are not prone to that because they've developed immunities for it but if they if they uh generation generation generationally 
left and, and, and produce generations, they'll be prone to it then. And so, um, so anyway, in the colder climates where there's less sunlight uh, further away from the equator, then it's an advantage to have pale, to have, uh, you know, less melanin, I should say, um, versus near the equator. And so naturally, this is why you have the skin map that shows people who live there uh, through uh, generations will have a certain um, range of melanin, that, you know, on their skin. So, you know, so anyway, so so having mel having melanin in and of itself is not an is not an advantage. It is having melanin and where you are. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, is that's where it makes sense. That's where the, the advantage is. But anyway. I uh, see we have some okay. more, some others that uh, popped in. Oh, we do? Okay. We got Asar's back. Um, Asar Maheru uh, Amin Ra. If you, if you had a um, question, comment, we'll pass you the mic. No, I think that um, our brother from the Sesh Metanetta is here. Oh, I Kofi was here first. Like, Kofi. Yeah, yeah. Kofi, yeah. do you want to introduce yourself and if you have any questions? Um, I don't really have uh, any questions. I'm more here of uh, uh, listening, but um, I'm Kofi Paisai. Um, I'm a group. I mean, I'm a member of the mighty, mighty group that sets you my eye need. group. We deal with the Ronnie Kimmy in a session metanetta. Um, I just basically came on the show. I mean, y'all actually done sparked my interest back. I was uh, a while back here. Uh, researching uh sl uh 24a 5 gene the uh, uh natural selection uh genetic uh genetic drift and doing some research on the neanderthal and just listening to some of y'all shows just to kind of spark my interest back in it that's why i'm listening now but i also i'm, I'm more of a book person a book and article person i'm not really into watching a lot of videos so i'm on here to get some books I'm on here to get some articles from some of this stuff that y'all talking about so I can continue uh, the research I was doing in the past. Yeah, that's good. That's Thank good. You. Thank you. So we'll, we'll make yeah, sure. The, um, the study of the Neanderthals is, is, a, is, a, is a good study because it, it can tell us a lot. We can learn a lot from it. Um, the conditions of Europe allowed for a lot of the fossil record to be preserved there. And so when you're hearing a lot about Neanderthal, Neanderthal, um, it's because, you know, a lot of the fossil record and a lot of the material that, um, that they were able to find, they were able to study and extract DNA from it. So from that, they're learning more about DNA. So I think that anyone who's interested in genetics should learn all they need to learn about the Neanderthal and what it means for it to be Neanderthal and what they found from the Neanderthal. It's a, it's a brief, like just a small little glimpse into um, human, our history and um, evolution. So just want to say that. Yeah, I'm looking for a, um, a Venn diagram showing uh, genetic diversity with um, Africa Africans and other genetic populations that's kind of really good to show so uh, if I find it I will share that and um, you know because we were talking about that and what it means and when I find it then maybe we can um, discuss it looking for a particular one 
but yeah, okay, so, so so articles and books, we definitely make sure we gotta uh, post some of those. I know Naya Naya is, is good at the uh, having the studies and the, the links to articles to read mm-hmm. um, about that. Yeah, I was looking for my book. I started when I got started. Um, I started with anthropology. It's a just basic anthropology book because I prefer like the the textbooks. Um, so I'll go and get an old textbook, biology book, chemistry book, anthropology book, and then just understand the basics first. And then once you understand the basics, then you should go into a journal study or reading an article because a lot of the articles are extremely biased just depending on, you know, the funding. And if you don't understand the basics, sometimes you read an article and you would think, okay, you know, they have the headlines like, you know, the out of Africa theory has been debunked and you, you click on the actual research study and it's something totally different. So you got to kind of get the basics. I think I would suggest the anthropology book textbook, as well as a biology textbook. And that kind of sets the foundation for you to um, understand, you know, to have a good foundation for the subject. You can get used ones on Amazon. I always go to my local Goodwill and I start there. Once I know what I'm reading and I have a basic understanding of the terms and of the, the theories, then I move forward to articles and journals. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so okay so i mean we have um some other some others on uh now but now mind you i, I posted a link a few times we have a couple people lit, uh still in the chat don't be scared to come on in now um but asar, right. asar, we got asar here asar you want to introduce yourself brother you have any questions makaru amara peace everybody you know i'm just listening in i think you're doing y'all doing a wonderful job now, is this James or is this yeah, someone? Yeah, this is James. Oh, okay, hey, Brother James. <laughs> Peace, Queen. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just listening in. I'm, I'm glad y'all doing a wonderful job. There's no confusion on y'all beha- on y'all part, you know. I think it's, it's, it's just a, a good build, and I'm just listening in, you know. Of course, I got uh, – I was really just trying to uh, – the person who had made that the post off in the group, the Armin Ross Squad page, I thought I was really trying to – I was really interested to hear – what he was gonna say, but he didn't show up. Um, I know he, he, um, I think Sister Naya had, um, tried to get a schedule where he would be most available. I don't know if this is the time that he said he would be available or not. Well, he said he didn't have to work in the morning, so he'll be, yeah, here. yeah, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm real, I'm just here because I wanted to, I was curious because I was confused as to what he was saying. So evidently he didn't show up, so right, and. Yeah. Yeah, so well, that's unfortunate because the text was confusing. So I wanted to get the verbal. Right, 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 and and you know, so anyway, I I just have a thing about about this unnecessary. I call them phantom disagreements. You know, the boogeyman <laughs> disagreements. It's like when people think that there's a disagreement when it's when it's not, and that's just so unproductive. It really just irks. It just it's just really bad. It's terrible. And so when it happens, you know, I try to put my foot down really fast on that because it's it's um, detrimental to any progress in the conversation. Because, you know, they say not knowing is half the battle. 
Well, the other other half of that battle is application. So if we constantly going in circles on the knowing side of it, then we never even get to the application side of it. Therefore, we never, ever work out solutions, you know. And so, man, we got to put our foot down real fast on unnecessary arguments and things of trying to make something an argument just because like you, you have this adversarial position. Yeah, but, 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 but we got to understand that some people do that for the simple purpose of their, um, what you would call indoctrination or um, in the particular topic that we're talking about, some people may have um, genetic alliances that they want to try to defend. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a that's a good point. Uh, and the example of that is the people who are claiming Native American ancestry and indigenous to uh, North America for whatever their reasons are. Now, because of the genetic data and conversations that are taking place, they have to, uh, you know, pick a side and then they demonize. They have to denounce. They have to denounce genetics. That's what they have to do. Yeah, and that's what's going on. That's exactly what's going on. They, they. <laughs> this is exactly what's going on. So now, genetics. Don't, so when you go get the child support, now that they don't even matter. They just, but you know, you gonna get on child support. They can't, they can't fight that. But they're gonna fight the fact they're not gonna go get a DNA test because they want to be whatever they want to be. They don't want to look just like when you get into a Hebrew discussion. Genetics is out of the question because they don't want to have that particular uh, conversation. Or I don't understand how we continue to um, have a historical um, debate when you have to go to the ordinance of writing for anybody else to have writing. So why are we still arguing with people when the ordinance of writing starts somewhere and then you move out? You, you don't even have a Adam and Eve story. If I mean you, I mean you, I mean the Adam and Eve story is supposed to be a beginning from what the European gave us, but now that we've discovered that there is another writing system that predates what they told us, why are we still arguing that, you know, the Adam and Eve story, you know, why, why are my people not accepting of the, the history and the documentation that comes before it? I mean, it's just, that's what we're arguing about. Mm -hmm. And then I, we'll never move forward, but we continue to have, like you saying, arguments just for the sake of argument. Right. It's gender-based, basically. And I can't stand those. <laughs> and that's just, and that's it. And we got we to gotta cut back on them. So when we see them pop up in a group or wherever, then, you know, we, we, we kind of get on it like bees. We swarm around it. And so that's what's going on with a couple of these posts. And, you know, and at the same, at the same time, uh, we're not trying to um, set up a situation where, okay, we're talking about a person. And this is something that's, that's a problem inside the social community, too, is that people will personalize these conversations as if we're talking about them as a person as opposed to their claim and this is why i always tell people relax relax like i don't even know these people so i don't know you enough to talk about you or don't feel offended or don't be in that insecure i'm just talking about the claims so let's talk about the claims you know just show support for your claim and we're all open to learn and um if you can't show support for it then i'm i'm just gonna duly note that and just take it as your opinion that's fine everybody has them and and keep it moving so that's how it is uh, i'm still looking for this venn diagram i think it'll be good oh here it is i here it is right here okay um man okay i'm gonna have to screenshot i'll share it so you yeah you all can uh, continue the conversation i guess if there's any other i don't know if um any other um 
points to be made. We won't stay out here too long, but hey, people come in and spark up more conversation, then hey, we can keep it going. I just wanted to piggyback on something Asar said that if you take a um, DNA tribe's S&P test, it could very easily say that you're Jewish. So some of those those um, Hebrew Israelites shouldn't be so afraid. Right. Now, that's... Because okay, go ahead. It, but I was just going to say the reason why it tells you that, that you're Jewish is because they treat um, African Jews like any other Jews. So if they say they're Jewish and you get that African tribe, then it'll give it, you know, it, it works like that. Basically, they're just treating Africans like anybody else. And I'm glad you said that because that's a good topic to bring up. And we, we discussed this before, but like I said, I'm not sure if it was on one of the videos that are unfortunately not available anymore. But uh, I had asked a question maybe a month ago now. I asked a question in the group. I, I said, out of those who oppose DNA testing, what are some of the major reasons that they give for their opposition or dislike for it? And the number one reason was because you get different results from different companies therefore because of that therefore it's not accurate it's invalid it's pseudo and and what you just said speaks to that because each each company one they have different algorithms that they uh query their data with and then people have to understand that there's three separate tests and analysis that are done on the data the data could be the same but it's three different tests, and then they run different algorithms for the autosomal part. The uh, lineage part, which is paternal or maternal, is this pretty much the same with all the companies. So if you get assigned a certain haplogroup with company A, uh, you'll definitely get the same haplogroup if you test with a company B. It's the, it's the autosomal uh, percentage stuff that gets where people are um, you know, misunderstanding. And stuff like that. So what you were saying is that uh, what you said, uh, DNA tribes or whatever. If if they if they demarcate their genetic populations a certain way, like how you said, and they treat this population like if you hit markers are hitting this population, but they classify it as something whatever Jews Jewish or whatever, then that's what it is for them. But you may get tested somewhere else, and they just don't demarcate it that way, and you'll be assigned a different under a different label, and you'll think, oh, it's a different result, and this this is it's garbage. And that's just not the case. You know, so we have to keep that in mind that that if you um, and that's why I always tell people to get get tested from all the companies. If you can afford it or um, matter of fact, it's not even um, uh, that bad. You, you get tested with one company, just download your raw uh, sequencing, your genome sequencing, and then upload it to the other companies that allow that. That way you don't have to keep paying. You know, you can do that for free. Like me myself, I got I had I got tested with 23andMe. I was able to upload it to myheritage.com, uh, jedmatch.com, ftdna.com, uh, and uh, you can even give it to africanancestry.com, but you have to pay um, when you do that one. But the other ones I mentioned are uh, free. So now you have these. Hold on, what, what were the results from um, those particular? Like when you you did the one from 23andMe, which they um, having a sale right now. I think it's two. Two for forty nine dollars. Yeah, two two or more kids. Yeah, and that's why I say if you have a friend or a relative, hop on that forty nine dollars a piece. It's basically yeah, yeah. So, basically, yeah, but I was wondering, what do you think about uh, that particular company? Like, uh, going against like twenty three and Me, 
African Ancestry and Ancestry.com. I mean, is there any one in particular that one would favor or what, which one would be the best one to go with, something like that? Well, that's what I'm saying. No, it's it's uh, I would recommend getting tested with all of them. And because each one has its um, it's 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 uh, what do you call it? Reference data. So with, 20, with African Ancestry dot com, they're an advantage for African-Americans because they their database has the highest amount of uh, African samples that they, 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 they will compare you with. So they they outrank all the other companies in terms of African samples. Uh, 23andMe have predominantly European samples, but they, they're widespread and they have a lot of customers. They got 2 million customers in their, um, in their database in terms of uh, real-time customers, but in their reference data, they have 31 populations. They have, so they have 31 genetic populations that they use. Um, and they tell you exact number of samples in each, in each genetic population. Uh, and, okay, so well, I'm gonna ask them. Okay, but the variation of the test you took the 23andMe originally, yeah. which is your paid um sample, right? And then you use that to go into some kind of database with a couple of several free companies. Yeah. What yeah. was the result like as far as differentiation between the, the your original and those companies? Like, how did it vary? Yeah, it it did. Like, it yeah, it did vary, but not not by much. And I understand why it varied because GEDmatch is very good. If anybody who's listening is familiar, they probably already heard of GEDmatch. GEDmatch is a open source, open ended um, company, or I wouldn't even say a company, but a group. And they have programmers that have that have uh, written uh, analysis algorithms that use various different sample uh, data. And so you can test for uh, a you can narrow it down to a European population that has 17 genetic uh, genetic populations or uh, just five or just 30 or just 40. Or whatever the case is, you can do autosomal lineage, all that stuff. All everything we're talking about is good. So so that one that one place alone will shed light on the differences and why they're different, because when I plug my data in there, if I run, let's say, um, a test for European or whatever, it will only test those populations and it will give me my percentage results. And, and have, you, have you ever did like a live demonstration of how you do this? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I don't know if that's my, you might not want to show anybody that kind of personal information. No, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not even, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not like that either. So it's, um, um, now there are on YouTube, you can find some videos of other people doing that, but I don't think. Yeah, and how do you spell that particular site so people will know? Like, cause I can't really understand what you you saying. What are you saying, Jeb? Okay, Jed matches G E D, uh, and then match the word match. All, oh, okay, okay. All okay. one, all one word, Jedmatch, uh, dot okay. com, and if you go there, uh, you can upload your raw data, and then it'll take I think uh, twenty four hours to to do its magic or whatever and then you can start running the the various different tests on it so in other words jed match is like an, a culmination of of a whole bunch of companies because you can use all these different uh um analysis on your on your data and so my, that's my interesting. i never heard of that before so that's good information right there because so, you know you want to get a confirmation because like people are skeptical of one test and then um 
who wants to spend their money on all of these different tests just to get a consensus you know what i mean exactly exactly and 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 that's why i hopped on it when i learned learned about it um to be able to do it and but see and it's and like i said it's enlightening because you can immediately understand why you get different percentage now it's only on the autosomal testing <clears throat> Uh, which is the admixture or they or some people call it uh, ancestry composition it's only on that particular test where you get these different results but it's it you know why why because it's based on who you're compared to so if you run if you run analysis of your data if I mean, your dna compared to only 16 genetic populations and these 16 are only in europe then you're going to get a whatever result but then if you taste it tested amongst a broader spectrum and it includes africa then you're going to obviously get a different report back you see what i'm saying so it's like really just common sense once you once you once you do it and everything you know like i said but i think i'm a visual person i heard the brother was saying he liked to read but i'm the of the um of the way i learned best is to actually give especially when i'm learning a, a subject that i've never studied or heard of but the terminology is something from yeah i like to listen verbally and get the terminology so when i'm reading i can kind of comprehend exactly what it is i'm i'm reading and actually if they're like okay so what i would suggest to that brother that was saying he likes to read i would suggest that he looks at a lot of um the max uh, planks institute's work with um uh, savante pavo just look at the videos so you can know what you when you get ready to dab into what you're reading you can understand what they're saying about this genome project that they've on uh, you know kind of worked on yeah you know yeah um because yeah. that's how i understand a lot of the verbiage and a lot of the stuff that's going on because i've been just listening and listening and listening so when um the actual conversation comes up i know where i'm at mm -hmm. uh yeah you all um ho hold the conversation and i'm gonna see if i can uh log in to jet match quickly and see if i could set this up so you could visually see what i'm talking about uh what's going just give me a minute but you you all continue the conversation i, uh, I don't know if naya now you still there yeah i'm still here i thought we had someone else i thought kia was or kiksa i guess she left but yeah i'm still here so we can continue the conversation yeah um uh, james i know you like to um really um promote that planks institute huh that's your go-to <laughs> yeah i mean because that's the where everything you have to kind of like start from the source of the research or anything like we dealing with writing we started from Kemen and then we moving out well the genome project starts there from what i see they had a there's some competition but um i forget the name of the other company that that was doing it as well they kind of we're like in a race to get the um to, to um you you know you understand what I'm saying? They were in a race to um to break the code of the genome. It was another company. They kind of like met at the kind of at the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Do you you know the other company that I'm referring to, referring to? Um. Well, I know that 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 company was the company that um did a specific study on a Neanderthal. So um, if you ask me, do I know of any other companies? I'm sorry. I'm yeah, that's what I'm asking you. It was it, when um when um Savante Pablo, when they started their, their um search to try to, you know, synchronize the genome, it was another company that was in competition with them. I don't actually oh, okay. know the name, 
but no. they kind of like came up with the same conclusion. Now, do you want to, since you brought it up, do you, do you feel that you can explain um, to the audience specifically what you're referring to? Hey, just just so y'all know, I I think I'm able to uh, share something, uh, James. Okay. Uh, with you, uh, real quick here. Um, hey, Uja, before you share that, can I just remind everyone if if there really is like a sale where you can get two twenty three and me uh, kits for fifty bucks? Uh, that's how you can get the the raw data to use with GetMatch. Yes. So definitely. that that's a deal. I I would jump on that. I already have yeah. one, so I, yeah, I'm if I didn't, I would get Friday. that. I'm definitely getting that one. Yeah, yeah. You that's, want to go half? <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's sure. all. That, listen, no, no, that's serious. That's serious. I, that's why I said if you it, now, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, I mentioned this to Naya that um, if you get a DNA test, um, it's always good if if your parents are, are still alive, of course, uh, to get one of your parents to take to do it with you with the same company. Well, at least with 23andMe. Because 23andMe also has a feature where they can actually tell you which set of uh, DNA came from which parent. So, and that's very, very helpful in, in doing your ancestry research because it, it, it splits it. And all you need is one because once they, once they can match the one, then they know by deduction that the others came from <laughs> the, the, you know, the other parent, obviously, because you get 50 from your father and 50 from your mother so you said it would be best if i was gonna do it to get like my mom or somebody like that to do it too so i could kind of have a better result well i'm saying i'm just saying that uh with this deal going on two for one if if people are going to get it then i would say i would say get it for themselves and one of their parents uh but if you don't do that then man hook up with a friend because the the 49 dollars is, is up, up until thanksgiving i think uh they mm -hmm. doing it it's basically a two for one because it's normally ninety nine dollars, so you basically get two kits for the price of one on their normal stuff. So uh, that's where it's at. Um, so I'm, that's wait, I was shocked. So yeah. Uh, okay, so let me just set this up. I want to share. I want to share this. Um, and I'm glad you glad you suggested it because uh, I've never uh, showed showed it. So let me see if I can get it. Yes, I'm a I'm a visual type person. I like to see kind of like you know so i have a better understanding okay so um i think you can see my screen now uh it should be on the screen now uh jed match tools for dna and genealogy research okay, okay so yeah, i'm i'm at you see it mm -hmm. okay so i'm at jedmatch.com and so i've already logged in and everything and so let me get over there okay so um so they have these different text tests and so what i did i selected admixture utilities so so again admixture is the test that causes the most confusion because lineage is straightforward you you know lineage is passed on paternally through a single line of all males and uh, maternal lineage is a single line through all of the females uh in your in your line from your mother to her mother her mother mother etc etc those are straightforward and it's pretty much no confusion with with between companies or people uh once they understand that's what they got it's it's this autosomal or uh, nuclear dna or admixture or ancestry composition however it's worded this is what causes the confusion so this is why i selected that and so now i'm selecting a particular project called Eth ethio helix 
And so this is the project I select in here, and it's multiple projects. So you have uh, MDLP project, Eurogenes, uh, DodeCAD, uh, Harappa World, Ethiohelix, Punt, Punt uh, DNAL, and Jedrosial DNA. Now each one of these projects come with a uh, very d good description and what it is and all that good stuff. So, but I'm skipping. I'm not showing that. So I clicked uh, Ethio Helix just to show it for this example. And so I'm gonna click continue. And then once you continue, you have you have to put in your kit number, which it which you get with your um, you know your uh, uh, DNA. And did I forget it that fast? Oh no, there it is. Okay, so now you can you can select the calculator model so now I'm, this is what i want you to pay attention to so we have ethio helix k10 plus french uh we have k10 plus japanese k10 plus pilot uh palestinian and then k10 africa only so just for this example i'm gonna show you africa only if i click on it now it's going to only compare your dna autosomally with the DNA that this particular uh, model uses for their, their African samples, okay? And so when I click continue, it's gonna give me my pie chart and my percentage. So hopefully it'll come up in a hot second. And there we go. So, so now, out of their database, when they compare my DNA with, with uh, their African samples only, this is what it comes out. Nilo-Saharan, Nilo I share only 0.42% DNA with, with Nilo-Saharan. Now, now you got to remember, this is how they have labeled their genetic... Oh, hold on, why do you, uh, this, we can't really see it. So add the color so we can know which one you're talking about. Okay, let me see if I can... Oh, I see why. All right, one second. Let me fix that because I, I, I want people to be able to see this. Uh, one second. Let me fix this here. Um, 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 um. But while he's doing it, how how long does it take? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go on and jump on that tomorrow. Um, I've been talking about doing it, and every time I get ready to do it, something happens, or I don't do it. I'm gonna go ahead and jump on that. Uh, how long it take for the uh thing to come back? Uh, it they will tell you uh six to eight weeks. But I, I no, think I'm saying I'm saying the the first part. Don't they have to send the kit to you for um? Uh, Oh, that take yeah, that yeah. When they send the kit to to you, it's like uh, three days. You get that real fast. Okay. Three days, but when you send it back to them, and you wait for your results. They say six to eight weeks, but eight weeks. when I when I did mine, mine came back in three weeks. So I was I was surprised uh, actually uh, that it came back so fast. So let me let me zoom in. So here you go, uh, James. You should be able to see it now. Beautiful. Okay, so so let me go back to it. All right, so. So now this is how this particular um, sample or, or this model has demarcated their genetic populations. So they have how many? Ten. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And this is the labels that they gave them. Nilo-Saharan, East Africa 2, uh, Mbuti, Pygmy, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And so, but not every company demarcates and labels it this way. So obviously you're not going to get the same kind of results if you go to a different different company, even within what I'm showing you. So anyway, uh, so this is Africa only. And here's the breakdown. So Nilo Sahara, I share 
uh, percent of my DNA with Nilo Sahara, uh, which is what color would that be? Um, I don't even see it on here on the, on this side now. So East Africa, too, is 14.46 percent DNA I share and East Africa, too, is what color is orange. So that's right here. So so I can immediately look at this pie and see the biggest one. Let's just go to the biggest one, which is West Africa. Now, they don't say where or anything like that. They just designate it as West Africa. So they so in other words, they have they have a genetic high variant, uh, 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 I, you know, the ability to identify a uh, gene population, genetic population that they just label West Africa. So I share 45.82 percent of my DNA with these folks in their database. And that's what that means. And my next biggest uh, chunk is North Africa, which is 27.13%, which will be, um, where's North Africa as far as the color? is uh, blue, this color blue. So over here, that's the biggest, other biggest chunk. So, but it don't say where in North Africa, but that's how it's broken down. So I just wanted to show you that this percentage is, is way different than I got from 23andMe. But the, the reason is very obvious. 23andMe, they don't have the same data to compare me with. And they don't, they don't demarcate their genetic populations in this way. They have 31 uh, genetic populations that they deal with uh, as far as reference data that they compare you with. And so, so we have to understand this because people are comparing, uh, like, for example, uh, uh, um, Kofi, if you if you did your test with 23andMe as well, and then I and I have already have mine done. When we compare ours with each other, now that's a more valid comparison. Like it it has more meaning because we're comparing both of our results from the same company that used the same reference data. You see, but but if you went with uh, AfricanAncestry.com and I went with 23andMe, and then we up here trying to compare, it, it it's not a very valid comparison. Uh, to do that, we we can get this, some. I'm telling you, bro. This, by you pulling out this chart, this made this a lot better. And then you know, because the way you were explaining it, as far as like uh, taking it from one company to another, and that's why the different variations in um, tests, I would have never probably known that had we not had this conversation. So okay. this is great. Okay, well, right, that's good. Because those reference populations, that's important to understand. Because it looks like here, what they're doing is they're comparing you only to the African um, ethnic groups. Exactly. They don't have any of the other reference groups. Um, like, cause 23andMe, if you show that at the next slide, maybe they can see with 23andMe, um, they have, um, their reference group is more international. Yes. Um, across the, the world, as opposed to this company is, is it's more specific. It's the African ethnic group. Yes, you know, and you have a Khoisan there. You have the West African, which so people like Buja was saying when you are seeing posts on Facebook, like why do we get different results? This is the reason why, and it's important that when you're doing DNA tests that you really understand what you're buying and what you're consuming, and and you know it's what to expect because this is really good. Because I, I mean, this is this is valuable information because it's very defined to African ethnic groups, the major ones. Exactly. And I want to remind people that GEDmatch itself is not a company because, like I just showed you, this is just one of the available uh, tests. So let me go to another one. So let, so just, just kind of remember this breakdown, right? 
and let me back up and go to another test so so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with ethio helix though but i'm gonna choose a different one because remember I, I chose africa only for the one we just saw but let's go with africa and japanese so now i mean uh k10 and japanese i'm, a, I'm a, now i'm gonna click oh i gotta put my kit number in there again k10 and japanese yeah k what, wow. what is k10 uh k10 oh wait a minute this gave me an error Okay, hold on, let me go. Yeah, back. and I seen that Koi Sun and that might spray that color because you know damn know they light skinned. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He I mean, has I mean. that North African too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm over there looking at that like, oh, that must explain it. <laughs> okay, so now let's, 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 now the, the K10, uh, now mind you, when I said that these, these names, they have a description. So it tells you K, K10 are 10 genetic populations uh, in Africa. Okay, which we just saw, but now we're going to add Japanese to it. Okay, so K10 plus Japanese, and let's just see what it is. I don't, I don't think I've ever. I, I want to say I'm 7.90 Japanese when I do it. So we'll see who, who uh, who's hitting harder in Japan. Oh, you're seven point. I'm 7.97. See right there at the bottom, right there. Uh, 7.9. You, you, you just edged me out. Yeah, so I have more shared. See, so so okay, perfect. So this is valuable. So I, man, I hope people are listening and catching on. And 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 uh, with this, maybe we gotta do this again too. But so here it is. So who was that? Forty-two uh, that said that. Yeah, it's me. Okay, so so now because when you did this exact same test, right? Now mm -hmm. now our comparison is is meaningful because now now I know exactly. Uh, I I can I, I we can say with act with uh surety that I had I share more DNA with Japanese. With what they consider Japanese population than you, and so and and we can say that as a as a factual statement, you know. Yeah. And but <laughs> but 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 if we were using two different companies, we couldn't say that. You see what I'm saying? So I want people to understand that. So exactly. So, so here's the breakdown based on the K10 um, plus Japanese. Now notice that it's different now. My West Africa one is is different number. So people have Why? to hold on. Stop right there. Why? Because, because hold on, slide, wait, wait. Is that because you added the Japanese and I took some percentage away? No, no. It's it's the a different set of genetic uh, populations uh, being compared with my DNA, and so e each one of these tests are are using utilizing a different reference sample. And it's okay. just it's just that they may share the same name, but they're different reference samples, and so they spread it out. So. So it's not exactly just because they they taken away some percentage to to stick it down here. But yeah, it, I mean I'm trying to figure this out like how they what happened. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm explaining. They they're they're testing my DNA with a with these different demarcated genetic populations that they have for this particular test I chose, which is K10 plus Japanese. So and, hold up, did that make your koi son go up? I thought it was that two a minute ago. Yeah, for for this particular test, exactly. Exactly. Oh, no. So, so how did it go on? So so this is why, and I'm glad you're asking these questions. This is why it's this is why I say uh outside of Jedmatch, but this is why I tell people to, to get tested with all these companies because you can't just test with one company and walk away and be like, uh, this is it. You can't do it. You have to be able to compare data and know what it means. And so at the end of your all of your analysis with all these companies, then you'll be able to walk away with a very, very good estimate on your admixture. Oh, they playing a percentage game. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's estimates. So so now you can give your overall estimates by way of analyzing different companies' results that they that you you um you receive. I'm telling you, bro, this is a beautiful bill. You think it's a joke? <laughs> this right, is my just, right. And also the difference is is that they added the Japanese population mm-hmm. into the results. So then, therefore, we can see there there is some with this particular group there may be some japanese who have some koisan dna so that may have been increased because it's matching population with population mm-hmm. so when you take his dna you look at his dna and then you take the koisan and the japanese population and you mix their you look at their dna you see the match so that's why the number went up as well because this is autosomal testing and, and and you can read in red it says Japanese acts as a proxy for Asian ancestry in this case, et cetera, et cetera. And remember, all, all of these different tests, they come with a, a whole you know, another page of, of infos, which I'm skipping. So okay. you know I'm not So this is all this is all from the from the Jed Mac. Yeah, this is all Jed Mac. So this and, don't have anything to do with twenty three and me. No, not at all. Not okay. not at all. Yep. And so let me go with another Except one. You, that's that is where you get the raw data. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I that's, understand that. I understand that's where he got it from. But I was just saying that this is the website he's getting this data from. Yeah, exactly. And and twenty three and me, whatever company you initially go with, they're the, you could just say they're the company that sequenced it, and then you could download the uh, the data. So, um, and uh, so let's let's choose another one. Let's go. So I'm gonna come out of the Ethio Helix. Let's go with um, let me just pick one. Uh, the the uh, the Harappa world. Okay, and it's gonna give me a different set of options. Hold on, now who is they? I mean, what what is the heart? What does that mean? I mean, well, do you know like um what what is this variation right here that you're picking now? Is that European? Because you did Japanese a minute ago. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. E- each one of these will have will have the a whole page of explanations of of what it all means that I'm skipping. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not um, uh, what you call it, uh going to that page and then we're going to read that it's a whole bunch of stuff but so i'm, I'm just going to show this result i'm just going to show you how it's different so some gonna, of them I, I think isn't doesn't one of them just test for like uh neolithic stuff and and like uh other types of humans yeah uh you get you have one that that, that actually tests for um neanderthal stuff uh now this one's taking longer time to process because it's going to probably test for a lot of different things i, I don't even know what what okay hmm. so now so now let's look at this right now now look at um what is hot harappa world or harap world harappa world so now look at the population so this is how this particular model was programmed to demarcate its reference data so now look at west africa down here that's the biggest chunk right here 57 point mm-hmm. 57.52 dna share that i share with with their see we have to we have to be specific so if i were to, if i were to tell somebody uh this i would have to say i share 57.52 percent dna with a genetic population that this particular um model calls west african and see and that that way i'll, I'll be that would be the most factual way i can say it uh and pygmy is 3.09 east african is one point whatever and you keep going up uh Siberian nothing northeast Europe 18.49 you know 
And so Caucasian 2.18. That's confusing. Like, what the hell do they mean by that? Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, you know, if I go because to the blog. They got Caucasian right there, the two, and then they got an age. I mean, they got Europe. Yeah. So be- they talking about the age. That's kind of confusing right there. Well, no, no, it's only confusing confusing because of the assumption. I see it ain't no Indian. <laughs> it say zero. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's nothing there. But but what I'm saying is it's only confusing when we walk into this with assumptions. But but if I were to click on um, Harappa World blog, it it'll tell you like it it may say Caucasian is limited to the Baltic Sea or the Caspian Sea round there in in Caucasus. Oh, they're getting more you know more dialed. I mean like um they're right. breaking down. Area. Right, See, and then what is, the, what is that right there to above Caucasian? What is that, Bolic? Yeah, Bolic. I, I don't even. I have no idea off the top of my head. See that, and you, we would have you have to know what genetic population that is is referring to. See, and you have okay. to you have to look it up. Mediterranean, we're pretty much familiar with that. American, <laughs> which will uh, is you know, point is that um, a Native American? Yeah, obviously, and it got signed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. that, that kind of, what is an American? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They let's let me click on it. Let's see what let's see what the blog is saying. Let's let's go ahead and click on it and see what it's saying. Um, just the answers. You see, you have the about. You have the participation privacy explainer. They got the explainer. Let's click on that. See, it's it's going to start talking about admixture, um, admixture, and everything. Um, let's go to the about. And it goes to the project, yeah. the data, what you That'd get. Be like some comedic writing or something. What is that? Oh, I yeah, you can't say that. it's not. It's not a. I know. I'm just saying. They <laughs> look like they went back. Yeah, I mean, this look. This is just for decoration. So I ain't even gonna take that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna ask you to break it down. <laughs> well, yeah, no, nah, that's not. That's not Egyptian. So, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I'm just saying the the information is there. Um, to for you to look at and explore but uh so yeah I, i'm just sharing this so so people can get a better idea of how this is now i'm only on GEDmatch, so imagine if you compare 23andme with with uh with ancestry.com versus ftdna.com like for example with my heritage i have 13.5 percent shared dna with with uh, uh a genetic population in kenya so that lets me know that 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 adds to my ancestral story that i have to compile and, and get a better uh picture so let, let me let me ask you this out of all this stuff which one i mean i don't okay i know it's just basically you said it's a but which one do you go with like that's kind of weird no that's that, that's the that's the point i'm making you you get your your dna sequence by whatever these companies are uh uh 23 me or whatever as long as they give you access to your raw data you're good so pick one of those Get it done, get their reports, fine. But don't just stick with them. Get your raw data, upload it to this one, like I said. Upload it to MyHeritage. You know, they got, um, uh, was FTDNA.com. And it's a couple more uh, as well. But but get as many results as you can. As many as you can. And, and so it's going to help give you a higher resolution so you can interpret your ancestry. You yeah, okay, I understand that part. I'm just saying, I was wondering, like, which one do you favor? Like, once you, since you got all this information, which one? Okay, do you well, for? well, me, uh, when I look at when I when I look at the pros and cons, I would I would say that, um, because there's 
different pros and cons. You got price involved. You got you got you know, as far as the reports. Twenty three and Me is is definitely pretty good. Now, if you're interested in your family tree and actually contacting relatives and stuff like that, like you're trying to find actual relatives and and all that stuff, your first cousins and all that good stuff, then Ancestry.com is good because they combine their their genealogy uh program and application and stuff with their genetic uh uh services and so they they're really good they matter of fact if you get your genes sequence with them they'll plug in all your relatives in your family tree automatically you you, you'll mess around and have like two thousand people in your family tree you never knew you know um and stuff and then you could kind of explore and and uh tease it out um in terms of uh, first cousin, second cousin, or the the likelihoods of those things. So, so if you into that, then that's good with them. Twenty three and Me is good because it gives you your um, haplogroups, it gives you your um, admixture, it gives you your um, the percentage breakdown based on your parent, and if you have a sibling or parent in there, it will uh, give you more detailed information about which genes came from what side of your family and stuff. So and that's good. And you can download your um, your DNA and, you know, whenever they update their database and, and can fine tune their samples, they'll update your reports. So that's good. Uh, now, African Ancestry is perfect for finding out uh, your percentages and narrowing down the frequencies or estimates for the continent of Africa. And they have the highest uh, African samples. So I would always recommend African. So it's ancestry. basically based on what you're interested in finding now. Exactly, uh, hmm. Af African ancestry. If you can, if you can afford their um, all of their tests, then man, go with them for sure. Like, first, like, that's a no-brainer, right there. You saying if you really interested based on money, so I don't know how much they charge, but you saying if if it ain't a financial situation, then go with African ancestry first. Yeah, but you're gonna have to go with uh like African Ancestry don't don't offer the admixture test anymore, so you would have to go with Twenty Three and Me to get your admixture, and to go to African Ancestry to get your lineage, your your paternal and maternal lineage. Okay. Yeah. I got. It. You know what I'm saying? So, so and they're very they they do an excellent job um with that because they can narrow down to the frequency uh based on uh today's population. Like for example, they can tell you your highest frequency hits based on today's population and where they're located. So when they tell you that you are, you share most of your DNA with, with a, uh, let's say the, um, a, a group of people in Sierra Leone, they're saying that that's the highest frequency of your DNA hits. The, um, your autosomal DNA is hitting over there and they can tell you that likely, and it's based on what we were talking about earlier, the clinal, you know, people are more likely to mate with people <laughs> that live near them. So that that's where you can take your inferences from and say, okay, well, wait a minute. So, the, you know, most of my most of my inheritance came from this area, you know, and so they do a good job at that. Right. All right. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen because I know I talked a hole in everybody's head. Uh, no, but I'm going to definitely go with the 23andMe since they have the cell and everything because I've been needing to get that done. And then um, I definitely, I put that um, African ancestry um, next on the list. And you know why people have a stigma with um, our own research. So, you know, as far as like African ancestry, you know, I just want you maybe to touch on that, you know, like how, what, I mean, the, um, you know, is, is that a trust, you know, do you really trust their, um, you know how people are. So I'm not really just saying, 
you know, what do you think about their process? Do they do the same process of sequencing and such and so forth? Uh, yeah, African ancestry, like I said, the 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 lineage test, which are two, the paternal and maternal, they're pretty much the same with all of these companies that, do, that actually do it. Uh, so the ones that do it, they they pretty much straightforward. So you're good to go with that. So if you're asking me as far as trusting the results, then then yeah, but it's but it's the limitation is based on whatever their sample data is. Now, some people have a hesitation because they don't trust giving up their DNA, period, to any of these companies. And and so that's another conversation which I always say that people really shouldn't be worried about it because if if you're if you're that paranoid, then don't don't ever go to a hospital. Then don't ever go to a doctor's visit. Don't ever go to a hospital where they have to draw stick a stick a thing in your uh, mouth to check your throat uh, and all that stuff or draw blood. Don't do that. Then if, if people are going to be that paranoid, because if there was a conspiracy to to get your DNA, specifically yours, then they they could easily do it by way of your um, your your um your hospital facility whatever you you go to your dentist your your dentist yeah your dentist they got a whole bunch of your saliva (laughs) if you go to a dentist and everything so so that's really silly when it comes down to it um now in terms of storing your dna african ancestry don't store don't store it because they don't offer online services like 23andme 23andme you can always log in and check your reports and any updates and stuff like that so so they so and plus they match you with your DNA matches in their system. Same thing with Ancestry.com. So so if people are worried about that, then go with you know go with African Ancestry. So, so Africans and my last question: African Ancestry and, and Ancestry.com are two different companies. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay, because a lot of people get that mixed up too. Yeah, that's um that they're two different um companies. Yep. Okay, if anybody else got any questions, I'm going to chill out. If anybody else got anything to say, y'all go ahead. I just had a, you know, I'm always got a bunch of questions because I'm always trying to figure out. You know, I was getting ready to get into the, um, get my own DNA. So that's why I'm kind of asking a lot of questions because I want to make sure I know, I know exactly what I'm doing when I do get into it. So y'all go ahead and uh, I'm going to just listen in for a for a minute. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, now you got anything else? Because I'm, I'm, I know I talked to everybody's uh, hole in people's. <laughs> People say it's without one. I think that we, you know, that we were able to kind of go over one post and kind of talk about some details about Neanderthal and migration and and all sorts of things. So, no, I don't have any more um, questions or any more um, comments. So, what about uh, the chat? Let's let's just at least address uh, anything in case it's in there, and then I guess we can start wrapping it up after that. So, I'm just trying to look at the chat, make sure we're not missing anybody or anything. Uh, that's it. One thing I wanted to throw in is that DNA Tribes is a good, cheaper alternative uh, from African ancestry, just because they have a lot of population groups. They got a lot of folks. Okay. Um, And especially like if you're getting 23andMe, you can get uh, DNA Tribes S&P tests for 50 bucks, and that's pretty thorough. And Another, I think, like 90, you can get, or uh, maybe it's like 120, you can get an STR test. And and that combination is pretty strong. But if uh, if you don't mind spending extra, I think African Ancestry is probably about maybe $200 more than that com- uh, combination. I'll, 
I would like to get an African ancestry test just because it would it would compare to DNA tribes, and that would kind of give a baseline to sort of compare to uh, compare DNA tribes to something else mm-hmm. other than Gadmatch. But yeah, I might do that in the future. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. I, I always forget to mention them because I uh, they like out of sight, out of mind. Um, DNA tribes, but DNA tribes actually the, the the ones that actually did some reporting for even the um, ancient DNA testing that they've done on uh, Egyptian mummies and stuff like that. You've seen in their um, articles and study. Uh, so I do want to address some of the comments inside the chat. I think we definitely do that before we go. Uh, we have uh, Kwame uh, Palavin has has made a, f- a few comments. So I'm going to scroll up and start with the first ones that were made. Um, and if I miss any, hopefully I'm not from other people. Let's see, Cranston Cooper. Oh, no, that's... Uh, yeah, Kwame different. is like an example of kind of what we were discussing at the beginning of the broadcast. I'm sure you didn't have the chance to watch it, but you know, um, when people kind of come in and start to create you know, arguments based on just limited information and, and data. So, okay, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to find their first. I'm trying to see the context of the of the comments because I read one comment. It kind of just out there by itself. Don't make sense. Like for example, the first one I see is. Let me go back down. It says again. No. No, not they not not even that one. What, what was the first one I saw? I think the first one is 23andMe does not complete gene sequence. No, it's one. That report. It's one before that. that the first one? Okay. Uh, I saw one. Man, all right, let me scroll back down. <laughs> he said, again, I asked, those percentages mean what? What are the absolute numbers that these percentages derive from? We, okay, we yeah. went over this. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, well, okay, just to give that person a benefit of consideration, let's say they came in, in late uh, very quickly, uh, the answer, well, the question is, again, I ask, those percentages mean what? What are the absolute numbers that these percentages derive from? So I'm going to make it very, very plain. When you get your DNA uh, analyzed, what the companies are doing, no matter what company you go with, let's just say they only have your DNA. So they sequence your DNA. If they don't have any other DNA uh, but yours, then they can't give you anything. All they're going to do is just hand you back your, your raw data as a, as a sequenced um, or genotyped, I should say. All right. And that's it. So what these companies are doing is they're taking your DNA, they're um, sequencing it or genotyping it, and they're comparing your DNA with the DNA that they have in their possession as reference data. So let's let's stop there for a second. Uh, prior to you even getting your test done, let's say you, know, you haven't gotten your test done at all, you haven't sent any uh, DNA at all, what the company has on hand in their possession is reference DNA samples. And what they've done is they have identified their samples and separated them into genetic populations based on their confidence level of how they can distinguish one gene uh, genetic population from the other. And they label it and they usually give it a a, um, geographical label. So they'll say, 
European or North European or Southeastern European or, or whatever the case is, because this is the highest frequency where this particular genetic population exists. Okay. So that's what they have already. And they call it a sample, uh, the sample reference data. So when you get your test and you send your DNA in, they, they process it and they compare your DNA with what they have on hand. The percentage you get back is based on the hits or the matches of your DNA with whatever the populations and their demarcation they have on their database. So when I say something like I have 60 or when people say they have 60 percent West African DNA, what they're saying is that. The company they tested with has sequenced their data and 60% of their, their, their uh, uh, DNA has a hit for a genetic population that they have in their database that they call West Africa. That's it. It can't get any more simpler than that. So people need to, need to uh, not have the wrong expectations of this stuff because no company on the planet has the DNA of all living human beings on the planet uh, living now or in the past to give an absolute uh, um, macro percentage based on that. So everything is relative to the data that's available with the particular company. Once people understand that, then your expectations will be will be in sync with reality and you won't be saying some crazy stuff like it's bogus or it's not accurate and stuff like that. Only people who say that are people who are ignorant of the process. That's it. <laughs> right. And so if, if you want to go back a little bit in the argument, and this is where I always start just because I feel like it's important because I find people don't know the basic biology and anatomy and physiology. Basically, we have, um, we get 20, we have 46 chromosomes, um, 23 from, um, mom, 23 from dad. We have the XY chromosome. Um, the human gene, Gino, has about 25,000 genes, right? And so from that 25,000, there's about 3 billion base pairs. You're, when, when we're talking about percentages, Kwame, we're talking about the autosomals. So we're not talking about the X or Y. We're talking about the percentage of the G DNA that comes from um, everything outside the XY chromosome. So when you see the percentages, you're basically looking at your ancestry in the last six to 10 generations, right, Wujawu? And uh, it's basically tracking where your ancestors have been or traveled. And so that's where, where that number comes in. Did I miss right. something, Wujawu? No, 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 that's good. But And, and the key words, so let's give a, a couple of key words. Whenever, whenever a geneticist or a report uses the word lineage, they're talking about mitochondria or your Y analysis. They're not talking about your autosomal. So you will not see lineage and percentage in the same report or the same, uh, you know, analysis. Lineage is going to when you talk, when you discuss lineage, they're going to give you a code, which is called a haplogroup. So they're going to they're going to give you a haplogroup assignment, which means that the most common, the most recent um, common uh, ancestor to a mutation that you inherited with a with that's 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 part of a group and they call it a haplogroup. So that's that's when you hear the word lineage. Now, another key word to listen out for 
is nuclear DNA or autosomal testing or admixture or ancestry composition. Whenever you hear any of those words, that's when you're going to see percentages uh, also with it. So when somebody say 60% this, 18% that, or whatever the case is, that is autosomal or admixture inheritance. And so they and, and you gotta you gotta understand that that's the word shared. So how what percentage of your DNA is shared with whatever population that the company has in their system? That's it. It's it's just that simple. So those are the key words. You're not gonna find lineage, man. And lineage is linear. It's it's a straight line. Ujabu, why don't you share the link so Kwame can come on and explain to us his theory because he hasn't really um, said anything. So I want to see if he can articulate anything on. Okay, uh, well, let's let me uh, look at some other comments. So he says again, I asked those percentages mean what? Okay, well, let's see what the next comment. He's not doing anything but calling it fraud. <laughs> okay, hold on. Um, I doubt that they have corroborate. No, I don't doubt that they have corroborating data, but their methods are suspect. Their methods are not suspect. Matter of fact, look, the same method that they do for this is the same method that they determine uh, parentage in, in court cases. The court system has, has accepts the same methods uh, and, and procedures that are done. All right. So and this is criminal cases or uh, paternal uh, determin determination cases for, for whatever reason. Okay. So if, if people on one hand will accept it there and then they neglect it, in this then that that's that's another confirmation of ignorance okay that people have and they're and they're basically working off of just some ideology that they're going with not the science itself all right so we need to definitely uh make that clear and and i uh, hope people can uh cut that out at least um either either don't accept the the parental um testing either you know what i'm saying for anybody or or not even parental just uh, the criminal cases where they testing, you know, blood uh, from a murder, scene, you know, murder uh, scene or whatever the case is and stuff like that. So, mm -mm. no, you know, so don't say don't say uh, uh, methods are suspect. And if the methods are suspect, then learn it yourself. and You do the methods. Do do like Rick Kittles did. And and, and then if you suspect based on skin, skin color, you know. But hold up, uh, the data you are quoting is bogus. Uh, that doesn't really have any meaning. 23andMe does no complete gene sequencing for that report. They don't ever claim to. And and I never claim that they do. And they fully disclose. See, these companies, another thing I want to say, these companies are fully transparent. You go on their websites, they tell you everything. They tell you everything. They tell you that they don't do uh, entire genome sequencing. They do genotyping. And they use a chip. And the chip is looking for certain uh, variances and stuff like that. It's all explained on their website. All right. So it's, it's, it's nothing that, that's hidden or anything like that. Just read. All right. Um, they don't do that. They are a con game. Uh, that's just an opinion that's tossed around there. Uh, so the report is bogus. No, it's not. Uh, they make it look great with bells and whistles since most of you have no... They spell no wrong. No clue what they're really doing, nor the math models they use. They are lying to their customers. No, they're not. I want you to prove it. So I'm gonna post a link on here. I want you. To, I want you to. Twenty three and Me doesn't really have that many bells and whistles, in my opinion. Just want to throw that out there. But I will say, when they, if they do have bells and whistles, and it's more related to the uh, different uh, genetic conditions you could have, yes, which could verify with a whole bunch of other people anyway. 
So you can test 23andMe right there. But when it comes to uh, Ancestry, they're pretty simple. You know what I mean? Plus, they give you the raw data. You could check it elsewhere. So exactly. <laughs> if there's a problem with the methods, then I'm I'm not seeing it because it's testable. Exactly. You know, not only yeah. is it testable, but they give you your raw data back that you can that you matter of fact, this is what I tell people, especially now, especially now that they have a special going on. Go ahead and buy two kits uh, and you yourself use both kits. Uh, uh, send one back in one name. Just make a fictitious name up. Send it back. Do the other test kit. You, you the same person. Send that on a different name and see what the results are going to be. Then come back and talk to me. All right. How about that? All right. So anyway, um, what's another thing? Uh, they don't sequence your data. Period. That's a fact. Uh, okay. They don't say that they they genotype. They use genotyping. They explain all of that stuff. All right. Um, finding a family name in the age of internet is not hard. Okay. That's why I never... Whoa, something jumped. What happened? Okay, I missed it. So maybe that's a reason. Maybe I should just keep on going. <laughs> how many people? How many people? Wait a minute. Something skipped. I was interested in that. We said, well, this is why I never... Again, I tell you... You are being misled, lied to, taken for fool and frauds. Uh, no, that's not the case. <laughs> I know all those things very, very well. Obviously, you don't. Um, I go to Sydney, Australia, and take a DNA sample, and then and then conclude that all of Australia are Europeans and have always been there. I have no idea what that means samples from where how much and mind you you all uh we ha we we actually have had on this panel people who actually work in labs and actually do dna um genotyping or sequencing that have been part of the conversations and they have no problem with it all right um and you know hopefully we'll get them back on when we bring this back up but man i feel like we're beating a dead horse because we we've been talking about this stuff for the for the past three weeks now um so all right so uh wait a minute okay i'm trying to see if anything is worth addressing um drink the jim nope. jones can't uh thing <laughs> i told you you didn't trust me no no I, yeah i just want to catch him a conversation so i know what i'm working with okay so all right so now because you know like i said I, I always say you know i do the africa thing i i profile people and i can already tell this person is um one who uh, uh, pulls a cart before the horse and um, they are comparing apples and oranges and they are using straw man logical fallacies. That's why I could tell already off the jump because nobody said that they use uh, full sequencing. That's expensive. Matter of fact, in 2003, when they sequenced the entire human genome, it took them 10 years to do it and, billion, and uh, over a billion dollars to do that. So it's not even... Um, well, now it's a lot. Did that was two thousand three. Now it's it's a whole lot better, cheaper because technology, the computer systems that they're using for it now, has reduced the price tremendously. But it's still not feasible to do whole sequencing of people's DNA on a commercial basis like that. Now you can go and get special specialized and get your get the whole sequencing done. So if you're in doubt, just go to a company that really does the whole sequencing. That does the whole sequencing. Then it's it. And get your raw data from them and then do what you got to do with it. All right. 
So anyway, all right, let me let me post this link, this last bit, and then I guess we're gonna wrap it up. But I'm gonna see if the person will jump in. <laughs> um, right, let's see what he has to say. It's always good to hear someone's logic, you know, instead yeah. of this keyboard karate. Yeah, all right, exactly. Um, let me just post the he link. He said that's the damn point. It's a damn fraud. <laughs> Yeah. All right. First of all, people have to understand what the word fraud means uh, and con It's the swindle and something like that. These companies are fully disclosed. They're transparent. Just read. Matter of fact, I should pull up 23andMe's uh, terms of service and, and, and guides. I mean, I'm not even going to do it. Just do it. No, don't do it. Let's just give them an opportunity to talk and speak and we can close out from there. If, you know, have him to kind of state why he's saying what he's saying, because I don't think he realized that he's not really saying anything he's just kind of making accusations like give us some more details how is it a, a, a fraud how is it a, a, a scam like be more detailed all right here is the link i uh, just posted it in so please uh kwame uh palavan we are waiting your arrival all right and um and just so everyone knows, you know, um, we definitely respect all people that come on onto our um, discussion, and we would like the same respect in return. Uh, and everything's been pretty good so far, so I should really shouldn't even have to say that. Uh, we just act like adults down around here. So, um, but yeah, I would just um, like to see. I yep. just, want, I mean, I'm, I'm finna get out of here, man. I, uh, I just wanted to say. Uh, uh, I appreciate the uh, information. Again, Sabre Wujai, you know I'm not a video-watching type of guy, but I, I appreciate the information. I appreciate uh, you and I, uh, 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 this platform being uh, a, a productive learning platform because there's a lot. That's one reason why I don't look at other people's videos because you can't learn uh, on, that, uh, on those platforms because there's too much nigga-ish stuff that's going on, backbiting, uh slandering talking about individuals not being respectful toward each other so i, I commend y'all uh on a platform that actually practice a good character or uh, ey pelly um again just appreciate the information i learned a lot tomorrow i'm gonna get my uh 23 uh, and, and me thing uh jumped off and i keep it keep y'all informed of what my results is Okay, I appreciate that, uh, Kofi, and uh, yeah, you enjoy your rest of your night. Uh, real quickly, I want to say that I'm looking at the comment, and the brother Kwame uh, Palavan, I don't really expect him to uh, come in here, um, but the link is there. But he made a comment and said they have never since their, sent their results through the U.S. mail. Uh, when he say they, I don't know who he's talking about, but I can say for sure that if he's saying the, the they generally, then that's a lie because uh, African ancestry uh, uses the snail mail. They use the U.S. mail. All right, so we can nip that accusation in the bud, at least with AfricanAncestry.com. 23andMe give you, gives you their reports uh, via online. So you can log into their website because you have to register your kit. Uh, once you get your kit uh, uh, to you and you give your sample and mail it out, you, you register that kit number inside their system. And so they so they can uh, know who to give the results to. So they do it by way of uh, online. Uh, but AfricanAncestry.com uh, sends it to you in the mail. You get a T-shirt. You get you get uh, you know you get 
all this other kind of paperwork and everything like that. So with them, that's a that's not true. All right. So uh, that's that. Yeah, and, and I just, yeah, you know, what I'm saying I just want to thank everyone for coming on the panel and, you know, having a discussion. Uh, we got to do more of these so we can really have an opportunity to kind of work through the confusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I, I want to say uh, with all these companies, I don't work for any of them. I don't make any money. I wish I did uh, make money off of me every time I mention their name. But I encourage everyone that if you're interested, because I don't I'm not about uh, proselytizing or pushing people to get tests done. If, if you're interested, then get it done and, and getting it done, then I, I recommend get it done by as many companies as you can and read their literature, read their websites, read the literature. That way you don't uh, have false expectations or walk around saying things that we've uh, been seeing for the past three weeks. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just do that. And that's and see, that's me. That's what that's what happened with me. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to know what I'm dealing with. And so that's what intensified my uh, recent research, because, you know, I, I looked into, you know, uh, the basic stuff just to be familiar with, just to ha just to be participate in conversation. So I won't be out there in the blue swimming around in the ocean. Uh, but in my in the recent time, because I got my. Um, DNA analyzed and everything. It just uh, had a, I had a research and studying. So that's when I uh, took a a course, a basic course in genetics, um, online course that I recommend people to take, and and did you know further studying and and uh, I, I understand I understand um, this these things a lot better than I did uh, years ago and stuff like that. Cause like I said, I'm not a geneticist. I didn't go to school for it as a focus at all you just you know learn basic biology and things like that but mm -mm. it is fascinating like I, like if, if if i had the time and money to start a another uh a degree program in school or, or towards a degree it would definitely i think i think i would uh go into genetics uh this time around yep but yeah so i don't know if anybody else yeah, I just wanted to say I apologize to the sister could see uh, I accidentally put her on timeout. I was trying to kind of um, slow down Kwame because he was going so fast. So I just apologize to the sister for that. I apologize. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Uh, uh, Kex, uh, Kexia. Yeah. Well, um. So basically, hold on, excuse me. So basically the guy that uh, that was saying that on the Armin Ross squad page, he's not going to show up? Uh, what Andrew? You mean Andrew Galabuzi? I don't know what his name is. He was on there making the whole. He said he was gonna be off of work tomorrow. Well, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, like I said, we we've already been beating the dead horse, and and you know the conversation is cool. Uh, we have it; it's recorded, so people can um, ask questions, share information, and even see me. Even if I said something wrong, like I said, I'm not a specialist in this in this field, so I can definitely make errors. And so if somebody comes along and points out errors to me, then I welcome those and uh, and in everything. So this is recorded. So if the if the brother wants to wants to bring up something that he heard in our videos or something, then he could do that anytime he wants All to, right. you know, All right. but we're not going to sit around. And, we, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a learning process. It's like, you know, we get the information, we present it. If something is incorrect, then you make the adjustment and you change. Exactly. And that's what science is about. Science is self-correcting. So um, it is what it is. And that's... Um, that's pretty much it. There, there's a, there are a couple. So we may do this again because there were a couple of other posts. Um, I think Rodney A. Muhammad had a post about uh, e-snips um, <laughs> and uh, Elijah Muhammad and stuff um, and things. Some some things he was saying that would seem like to be um, off. Uh, were actually not related to the conversation we were having. And that's what some people do. They'll they'll pick up keywords. And think it's talking about the same thing, and it's really not. Um, e snips are different than snips um, in terms of you know what you get out of you know like the conversation uh, with that. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. But we we've been on for a while. We've been on wait, wow, four hours? No, three maybe. hours. Yeah, three hours, man. Okay, well that's good, you know. Hopefully people learn learn from it. I enjoy talking about this this kind of stuff um, and everything. Like my fo- my main focus is is actually that you know Kemet. So forty two, uh, I look forward to you uh, you know participating in those conversations or or um, taking the, the course or you know sharing information if, from what you already know and stuff like that. We deal with the language, uh, the culture. Uh, we deal with the culture by way of language. So. You know, it's, it's a it's a method to our madness, and and it's, we do it in a systematic way. Um, so let me ask one question, or another question. That I'm not dealing with genetics, though. I don't know. I mean, I've been knowing of you know you for a while, with y'all. Um, as far as when I remember, like when we first kind of like hooked up, you was dealing with the language. You know, I always thought that that would be something really, really, really hard to learn. So I never did delve in like when I first met you. I kind of regret it now because I may be probably I'd be four years in now. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. So what I want to ask is like, how hard do you think it is to actually learn this language? And yeah. how long did it take you to actually kind of like learn it? I'm gonna tell you, it's not hard at all. It's 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 just uh, a matter of being disciplined enough to stick with it, but it's not hard. And, and and so it takes extra discipline because it's not a language that is part of a speech community that that uh, you can interface with, like Spanish or French. You know, you got Spanish speakers out there, French speakers out there. So you, so it, it accelerates your learning curve because you can actually talk to people who are speaking it. So this particular language, Rodney Kimmett and the writing system of Sesh Meadow Nature, it's um, it's not in use. So it's 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 a lot of discipline involved, but it's not hard. It, it 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 really isn't like you know it's not hard at, at all. It, there there's some things you have to just pay attention to, and and there's some complex things in there. But if you just dedicate some time and have the discipline, man, it's not hard. Uh, in 12 weeks, like you know, I have a course that's 12 weeks long. That's three months. So I already know what I what and I, you know I've been doing it. So I already know what can be learned in 12 weeks. You know, like you said, you would have been four years in. Then that means you would have been in, into the grammar. You'd have been able to break down uh, adjectival sentences, adjectival phrases, nominal sentences, uh, verbal sentences, uh, all these kinds of things um, within the language. Uh, you know, within four years, you you definitely good to go. But in twelve weeks, you you'll be able to break down simple inscriptions in three months. You know, you could look at an inscription and and break it down. 
Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's not hard. Once you get out of the mind, see, you know, and these people who are claiming that the that the uh, writing system hasn't hasn't been deciphered, they're they're really spoiling it for for people, and it's sad. Um, but once you get rid of those assumptions and all that stuff, it's it's real easy. It's it's real easy. It's, it, you know. So how long did it take you? Uh, it, it didn't take me that long to, like I said, once you get how the writing system works then it's just a matter of how much time you put in. it's like it's like learning the, p the piano like you you could learn the chord progressions you could learn the cir circle of fifths and everything and get all that theory in your mind but until you actually sit at a piano and work out your finger coordination and actually play it and put some man hours into it that's a different story so with me i learned it fast i learned i learned it pretty quick because i dedicated some man hours into it like right away, you know, I, I learned uh, basically autodidact with learning. And then my formal training came from Dr. Ricchetti I'm in. So, so I've actually had formal training from, from um, uh, an expert in the language. And I've uh, learned on my own prior to uh, meeting up with her and after to, as far as my continuation and, and uh, teaching it myself. Right. But, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but will you be teaching a, a class coming up? Because I'm I'm waiting to join one of the classes. Yeah, the I, uh, yes, I, I have uh, one currently with 11 students from uh, Uganda, but I'm actually going to start another class because there's there are people waiting, and and the biggest challenge for me is is coordinating people's schedules, because like I said, it's 12 weeks, and we meet once one day out of the week, for two hours. But I I try my best to coordinate that two hours where everybody's available. So that's been the challenge um, of why people are, are waiting right now. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. And, and um, so I'm going to start a, a class like ASAP, really. Um, so people can contact me or go to the website. And then the only question I ask is, when, what is your available times? Because like I'll separate the classes uh, based on availability. So um, and and I and I'm known for running mul multiple classes simultaneously. So like like you be in class one and and somebody else. I may have three people in class one, and three people in class two, and that, and only reason why I do it that way is because I may meet with them at on different days at a different time. That's it. So that's how I do it. But uh, yes, ASAP. So anybody interested, uh, and I include you, if you're interested, yeah, just let me know. Uh, sign up, and then um, give me your available times. And and I've done one on one before too. Um, I I rather not, but you know, if I have to, I, I I do one on one. Yep. It's it's always better to learn in a group environment instead of uh, one on one. So anyway, that's that's uh that's that. And um, they outright lying. They think the consumers are dummies. Wow, he's still talking. <laughs> he's still he's still talking. He just agreed that sequencing takes a long, long time, yet they claim to be sequencing your... No, they don't. All right, see, this is where you have to stop. See, when, when people just start resorting to just lying, then that's, that's, that's when you get into pers you know, personality typing and, and agendas because the companies don't... They tell you what they do. They even tell you the chipset. They even tell you the chip that they use uh, um, in what they do. You know, I mean, come on. So we got to stop, stop misleading, misleading people. 
and sequencing i said it took a long time for the genome project and billions of dollars but that was in 2003 and now we're in 2017 the technology has grown leaps and bounds i could show you a youtube video where uh they're matter of fact the uh max planck institute that uh brother james mentioned earlier you you look at um uh pablo pablo's lecture in one of his lectures he actually shows you an example of the machine and he kind of describes it and and say how they were able to sequence the whole genome of of a neanderthal and blah 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 you know the whole thing of how technology has advanced itself um since 2003 where they're sequencing a lot faster for a lot cheaper amount of money because the computers are are um up to speed all right so let's let's eliminate that all right so just like our cpus we got four gigahertz uh 12 core processors now we got like we we, we talk about this 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 space in the in the in terabytes now whereas before like 20 when i was in school uh the computers man we would just talk about this if you had if you had a hundred megabyte drive you were doing something now you know a hundred megabytes will get you nowhere now like i could open up a photoshop file <laughs> that's way bigger than a hundred megabytes you know what i'm saying so <laughs> technology grows anyway all right that's enough for me uh i guess anybody else wants wants to close out naya i guess i'll give you the mic to close close out <laughs> Cause I'll keep, I'll keep I don't on talking. Anything else to say? I'm good. It was a pleasure engaging with you guys. And like Ujawa said, I'm not an expert in genetics or DNA or biology. My primarily um, background is is psychology and counseling. So if I made any mistakes or if I, um, you know, didn't articulate myself well, and you want to correct it, just go ahead and email me or comment in the section. We do this because we want people to have some clarity and so we can begin to kind of move forward and come up with solutions. And the only way to come up with solution is, solutions is through um, science and technology. And if we're afraid of science, if we're afraid of technology, if we're afraid of growth, then it's difficult for us to, to to, to implement plans for our community to grow and to move past this current stage. All right. Well, we'll end it on that note. Uh, women, black woman is God. So we're going to end with, with God's words. There it is. The word of God. <laughs> word. <laughs> it's only God worth praising. Exactly. Uh, that's the word of God. All right. So, um, <laughs> All right, so yeah, I want to. Uh, yeah, I just want to say peace and and to everybody who did participate, um, and spread the word, spread spread this link, and we're gonna do this as often as we can, as time permits, and uh, different members of the Amara squad. Like it was basically it was me, myself, uh, Naya, and Nahisi, kind of held it down uh, when he was here, and uh, so you know we'll rotate and and probably have the whole squad on uh, periodically as well. So that and that's how we do it, you know, people. People always want to know about the Amara Squad. Matter of fact, we still need to have a show that's actually explaining the Amara Squad itself. So, y'all look out. Y'all look forward. Uh, look forward to that. Oh yeah, would well, We forgot to mention like this week, um, one of the Amara Squad members, Asar, um, he's going to be in Atlanta at the Black Power Awards on um, on Friday the seventeenth, giving a presentation. So if you're in the Atlanta area or if you're in the surrounding um, cities, you know, check us out on 
um, the 17th. And definitely if you are in Atlanta, go to the Black Power Wars. I had the pleasure of going last year and it was just such a positive experience. Um, it was people who just came together to honor each other and to really network and to love on each other. So it's an excellent, excellent event. And I recommend it if you have the time and the resources. Yep. And uh, on the screen, I put it on the screen so everybody can see it. Um, it's Friday, November 17th from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And so these are all of the, of the speakers that will present on that day. Uh, that you see there okay so definitely support and i'll see you all there um and if you all see me you know uh definitely introduce yourself because i like to network i like i like the face-to-face -face interaction um uh, with people because we get really good conversations that way you know um because a lot of times even after events uh well this event is like all inclusive but you know sometimes we'll do events we did a no pseudo tour and usually our best conversations will be after the presentation when we go out to a restaurant to eat, everybody's sitting around and then we, we, we bringing up topics and man, you know, have some interesting conversations and everything. So um, I'll see you all out there for that. And one other thing that I forgot to show is to please make sure that you support the literature that, that uh, members of the Amara squad are, um, producing or affiliated with you know um, among all the others but this is a example we tell people to get booked uh period but definitely support and get book and get these books and read because everybody who's authored the books that you see on the screen um we're all available we welcome uh feedback critiques uh the sharing of information uh the good bad and ugly you know so just keep that in mind and uh, support. All right. So now, um, so I think I spoke last, but now you got to say one more thing so we can end with the uh, word of God right now. Man, this is really like church, old Joe. Yeah, there it is. Indeed, like three times. <laughs> well, no, I just think that... Um, you know, I love the fact that we have James who comes in and, you know, and pushes the conversation. I love the fact that we have interaction. So, you know, if you guys want us to talk about something specific, you can always go to our website, AmaraSquad.com. You can um, watch videos there. You can subscribe there. Um, and I think that's kind of all I have to say. I think I just want to reiterate the, the importance of science and technology and community and making sure that we're innovative and that we're producing and developing and we're not just complaining and rehashing the same narratives over and over again, but we're actually doing something about what's going on in our community. And the way that we do that is we de by developing stuff and we develop stuff by using our scientific minds and exploring and coming up with solutions to problems. So that's about it, you know. <laughs> 